the incomparable. Number 440, January 2019. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and as we have reached a new year, it is time to look back briefly. Well, not not briefly, for a very long episode where we look back at 2018 in terms of our favorite things and in terms of our favorite things from The Incomparable, and there will be clips later and all of that. But first, I have gathered four wonderful panelists with me. Uh, well, three wonderful panelists. Also, David Lore. Uh, <laughs> you beat me to it. Ouch. That's early. Ouch. Uh, to talk about some of our, just we're going to talk about things that made us happy this year uh, in terms of culture stuff. The uh, Maybe you'll get some ideas of things that you could watch or read or whatever. Um, and so I will introduce them now. First off, of course, the most amazing, versatile of all panelists ever in the history of the incomparable ever, who I insulted, David J. Lore. Hello. Hello, Jason. Hello. Hello, David. <laughs> I'm taking it easy. Also, on you. Pe- also hear people who I didn't insult, but I'll probably get there. Let's face it. Yeah, give it time. It's early. Anthony Johnston is here. Hello, hello, Jason, and hello, everyone. Uh, I just want to say it is quite frankly good to be here at the end of 2018. I think that's something we can all agree on. Yeah, put it put it in the ground. Move on. Time for time for another year. This one is all used up. Um, Aline Sims is here. Happy New Year. Hello. I'm so glad to not be in 2018 anymore that's yeah, good it's a good thing just be we, we're done with it done just done 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 and monty ashley hello hello jason hello aline hello anthony hello david and hello listeners oh and boy hello to myself Ooh. oh hello monty. why is all the hair on my arm standing up? <laughs> <laughs> is this how it's gonna go in 2019 monty is this how the incomparable is gonna go in 2019 <laughs> sincere warmth and friendliness for all mankind and womankind and the animals the precious little animals you bet it is jason okay now i'm scared hey monty you know who we love the most our listeners, our listeners. that's right you got it we love our listeners and now our listeners are scared as well yes i know <laughs> we're, we're coming for you next <laughs> mm. uh okay i have consulted with random.org which has told me that anthony should be the first person to tell us things that he liked in 2018 random.org we, apparently according to the clip show which we'll get to later there's a detailed history of the singing of the random.org theme song but you're gonna have to stay tuned for that people i'm promoting a thing we already recorded that happens later chronologically in this episode Never mind. So we're going first. Excellent. Yes, you, you, Monty. (laughs) You heard me introduce the podcast just there. That was the start of the. That's okay. Let me explain how podcasts work. (laughs) Finally, (laughs) thank you, Jason. I've been too embarrassed to ask. uh, First, it starts with me saying. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. And then I explain what the... uh, I do a lengthy, Mm -hmm. way too lengthy explanation of the premise of the episode. And then I introduce people, although sometimes I've mistakenly pre-introduced them and they've talked, even though I haven't introduced them yet. And then you're supposed to act surprised when I introduce them, but you've already heard their voice. And then we get to it, which is why Anthony's going to tell us things that he likes, because now you're all caught up. Got it. And then we do a draft. Yeah, this is not a draft, by the way. <laughs> That's how podcasts work. It's yes. seldom a draft. but Yeah. yeah. So uh, with all that time traveling, probably a good one to start off with then is Jodie Whittaker's Doctor Who. Oh, uh, all right. I think it's been a, a fantastic thing this year. I was, We were all full of trepidation, you know, about how it was going to be, whether it would be any good, how good she would be at the doctor, as the Doctor. And it turns out she's really good and it's been really great 
and I've really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, we did a whole episode two weeks ago you can listen back to where we talked about Doctor Who. That was There was a lot of trepidation. It's a showrunner change. It's a new, new uh, cast and all of that. And uh, uh, even though, I, I mean, I've got some quibbles with some parts of the season, and you can listen to that whole episode to hear, but uh, Jodie Whittaker especially, never a question. Never a question. Oh, right. I mean, yeah, it, it's not perfect by any means, but she was great throughout. Yeah. I always have this transition period with new Doctors where I'm like, I really, I liked the old doctor a lot better and it takes time for the doctor to grow on me and i haven't had that with her at all so that's pretty exciting yeah yeah so uh the good place continuing to be awesome yes yeah so the good place is still awesome even because i was really worried about even a second season of that let alone a third season (laughs) and yet it's just it's fantastic the good place podcast launched which is also amazing um and counterpart technically 2017 because it started right at the end of 2017 but i didn't even start watching it until a few weeks ago i haven't actually finished it but i am loving it so far i'm glad i i uh i knew you'd like that i just i knew it i knew you'd like i mean it's it's kind of up my alley Mm -hmm. yeah i know That's it. That's my TV. That's, Go that's on. it. That's your TV. Okay. I'll say more about Counterpart later because it's 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 basically my favorite show of the of the year. But I'll, I'll save it. I'll, I can talk about it later. Aline, do you have any uh, TV picks for this year? Yeah, I'm going to add uh, my well. I already verbalized the Good Place is still excellent. Um, I think yeah, definitely that. Oh, w- this first season has established a premise and this is how it's going to be. That's going to get kind of repetitive. How are they going to keep it fresh? They keep it fresh by throwing all of that out and trying new things, which I think is great. Um, I haven't watched a lot of new TV this year, but I am keeping up with Steven Universe as always. It is such a wonderful, heartfelt, bright show. Um, about love and acceptance and figuring out who you are and coming of age and all of the stuff that um, it's great. And it's great for kids. It's great for adults. So if you're not watching Steven Universe and if you're not into cartoons, I encourage you to try it out anyway, because it's good. Um, like give it try to give it a season, but it's it's a great show. And then uh, the Great British Bake Off um, or Great British Baking Show, if you're in the U.S., is uh, is a great, great show. Uh, my husband and I have um, watched all of them that we can access in the U.S. And then we recently started a rewatch. So we've rewatched all of the seasons that we can get our hands on. And even rewatching it, it's still this really um, heartfelt sh- show, which you wouldn't think, but... What ends up happening is these bakers are doing bake-offs every week and everybody, there's someone eliminated every week until they reach, you know, the final three. And then the best baker of those three is um, given a a serving platter. (laughs) They're not crowned. They're given a serving platter. And uh, you would think it would be a really competitive show. And I think if it were like a U.S.-based show, it would be incredibly competitive. But what ends up happening is, depending upon the mix of people, they're all really encouraging. They become friends. If you follow, I follow some of them on Instagram now, and they like get together when they're in the same city and and have drinks together or whatever. And sometimes they help each other out. Like, how can I help you? Oh, here's an, that thing's gone wrong. You forgot to add, I don't know, the caramel to your to your thing. What if you you tried this to add caramel to your to your cake um, instead. And I don't know, it's just, it's nice to see kind of this competition that's actually in a lot of ways cooperative. Um, So 
those are my three best TV shows for the year, even though none of them are new this year, really. Aline mentioning Steven Universe actually just reminded me. I, I forgot also, I discovered, it didn't start this year, but I discovered Voltron this year, which I really got into. Uh, and of course, the new She-Ra reboot, uh-huh. uh, which was great. Like really, you know, just a, an amazing, it, you reminded me of it, Aline, because that's also a very cooperative kind of, you know, everybody be nice to one another wouldn't that be lovely kind of series uh you know with lots of um main characters who really kind of care about each other uh and of course seahawk who just cracks me up whenever he's on screen screaming adventure uh-huh. um yeah i really really enjoyed that that's uh noel stevenson who did nimona which i love uh she's yeah, the yeah, showrunner for that yeah. it's great monty do you have some tv faves I do. Uh, I also love The Good Place very much, uh, specifically the episode that was all Darcy Cardman. Yeah. She was oh amazing. My gosh. Janet. Yeah, oh, yeah. wow. A TV show from the same creator, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I like a lot. But specifically what I liked was that after it got canceled, it came back. Well, it hasn't come back yet, but it's going to on a different <laughs> network that has more sense. Um <laughs> A show that does is not coming back, Adventure Time, had its series finale this year, and it was perfect. I also really like The Great British Bake Off. Um, there was a lot of worry when three-quarters of the permanent cast left, but Noel Fielding and Sandy Toxvig are very good hosts. I liked Sue and Mel a lot, but Noel and Sandy, I like them too. I think it's fine. Yeah, they're both great presenters. Who knew, you know? Yeah, they know what they're doing. A couple of Netflix shows I personally really enjoyed. The uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and Haunting of Hill House both came out at basically the same time, right before Halloween. And in my household, we watched them in, I think, three nights each. Wow. And a show that actually is from 2016 that I'd heard a lot about but had never watched, an anime called Yuri on Ice, which is <laughs> about ice skaters and love. And it's 12 episodes, and we watched it seven episodes the first day and five episodes the second day. Sometimes the episodes will just stop, and somebody will explain how the scoring works for international figure skating, because they know I don't know that. And it stays entertaining even during that segment. It's just wonderful. That's my TV, uh, the things I can remember that I really enjoyed out of television. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, David, you have some TV picks for us? Absolutely The Good Place. Still the only show on network TV that surprises me, makes me watch it when it's live because I don't want, I don't want to risk any kind of spoilers. Uh, of course, Counterpart, just a really well plotted, really interesting show. Oh, five out of six of the episodes of Discovery that aired in 2018. I, I was I was gonna yeah, I, 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 it's, that's on my list too. But I'll just mention here that it, to me, um, I mean, Star Trek Discovery premiered uh, in 2017, but the Mirror Universe arc mm-hmm. of it was the beginning of 2018, and it kind of fell apart at the end of the season. But the Mirror Universe arc, those three or four episodes. I think are the peak of that show being at its best. 
and uh, that is some of the best Star Trek I've ever seen. I really I like the show a lot, but the when they yeah. go to the mirror universe, which I've heard people say like, oh, they they're going to that well again. It's like I don't know. It, it, you send a whole ship to the mirror universe, and they're this close to death basically the entire time, and somehow they get out of it because it's a show. But uh, just the drama and the twists and uh, it, yeah, really really well done. So it's, it was a good year for parallel universes like, on TV, I guess. I have artist friends who are still drawing fan art of Captain Killy <laughs> because they love that art so much. I also really like a cooking show, but it's, I mean, I love the great British baking show. Yes. Um, but it's, it's, uh, let me get, let me get it right. Salt, fat, acid, heat, which is based uh, on yeah, a really yeah. well illustrated cookbook. Uh, but it's on Netflix here in the U S it's, it's really good. It's not a cooking show the way you're used to on food network. It's, it's really interesting. Well worth seeking out. It's it's not a cooking show. It's a show about food. Exactly. Um, and and finally, a a it's I don't really want to call it a stand up special. It's it's really a one woman show, uh, Nanette by Hannah Gadsby, oh, which yeah. is just striking. I want to push back on that a little bit, as I didn't watch it, because people kept saying, well, it's not really stand-up. It is stand-up. It's very funny. There's lots and lots of... Anytime it's getting really serious, you can see Hannah's stand-up mind thinking, and here's the joke, and she knows what she's doing. It's funny, it's entertaining. Don't be scared off from it just because there's serious things. It's a funny one-woman show, which, I mean, that's really what a stand-up routine, a good stand-up routine can be. All right, uh, let me give you my picks. Many of them have already been covered. Counterpart again. That is that is my favorite show of the year. It did it did roll over from from last year, um, and it's back now. It is wonderful. It pushes all of the buttons for me in terms of being. Uh, it, it is a spy drama. It has a great location. It's actually shot the in, all the sets and stuff. They're in L.A. <laughs> because J.K. Simmons didn't want to move to Europe, to Eastern Europe, for uh, for to shoot it, and they wanted him so badly that they shoot a lot of exteriors in Berlin, which looks great. Um, and so it doesn't feel like one of these shows that's shot in L.A. with a green screen occasionally and some stock footage. It feels very much like you're in Berlin. Um, it's got that Cold War vibe that they want. And yes, it has a science fictional premise. It is a, it is a spy thriller where the border between uh, East and West is instead a border between two parallel Earths that have gone down different paths. And that's a great thing about it for listeners to the incomparable. You get your sci-fi. But at its heart, it is an amazing character drama where choices and paths not taken are, f- are aggressively, in some cases, flung in the faces of the characters on counterpart and i will just tell you there's a in the uh because i re- just rewatched this episode in the fourth episode of the first season um one of our characters is on the parallel world talking to a parallel version of uh their partner from their world so it's it's he, he's literally standing in the place he might have lived in the room of the child that they lost uh, but who is alive and an adult in this world. And I had that moment where I thought, this is why I love this show is yes, it's science fiction and it's, and it's spies and it's exciting. And it's also just heartbreaking because you're seeing these character moments of people imagining like that moment where he discovers that his daughter who died in um, a miscarriage uh, two decades before is alive and well on this side 
it is it's just it's amazing that's that's using a science fictional premise to really plumb the depths of kind of the human condition and that 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 works for me that's my favorite kind of stuff i love it could not be more in love with counterpart the good place everybody mentioned it so i might as well mention it too yes it is going to go down <laughs> as a classic it, it, with with as time goes on um glenn choosing it in the all-time tv shows draft after it had been on for eight weeks has, is proving just more and more prescient damn it yeah. glenn yeah. Yeah. how do how are you so right uh, i hate it when glenn is right <laughs> um uh, Star Trek Discovery, David mentioned, so we already covered that. I, some other ones that didn't get mentioned. Uh, Patriot on Amazon, which I, uh, Tim Goodman and I both prefer by its actual good title, which is Sad Spies, is the story of uh, an, a, an American uh, uh, an American kind of a deniable asset who needs to go on a mission posing as a, a pipe infrastructure executive engineer uh to luxembourg because they're trying to prevent an iranian uh extremist from gaining nuclear weapons um and he's uh he his dad is sort of the the mastermind behind all this stuff and he's kind of a deniable asset uh he's also kind of uh I, I would say he's he's a he's a manic depressive. Uh, he he is very unhappy, but he never shows it uh, to his to his father and to his family. Uh, we find him he kind of drops out of society for a while and is just smoking pot in uh, in uh, in Amsterdam before he's called to do this this mission that's half in Wisconsin and half in Luxembourg. Uh, he 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 has a side career as a uh, as a uh, folk musician. And occasionally just makes up songs about the terrible things that he's doing as a deniable spy. Uh, it is weird and funny and uh, and great. It's a great show. It's very strange. And I love it. And there's two seasons available. Um, and the second season came out this year. So uh, Patriot. People should check it out, even though it's a stupid title. It's a great show. Um, and uh, Detectorist's final season was this year. Which is uh, Mackenzie Crook, who you probably know as Gareth from The Office, or he was in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. <laughs> the guy with that wooden eye. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Uh, he's the writer of this entire gentle, beautiful, funny and director. I think, and, and I think you may be right of a, a series. It's it's three series. It's very short. It's like nineteen episodes, I think, total. Uh, about two guys who walk around in fields. Uh, with metal detectors looking for for treasure, and the the lives of the, their uh, friends and uh, family, and this tiny uh, town in England that they're that they live in, and uh, it is just it's quirky and sweet. And for me, this is like, this is my comfort food TV. In fact, we just, and we don't do this a lot. We just rewatched the entire series a couple months ago because it was just, mm. we, we felt like it was time to revisit the Detectorist and go back in there. It's, it's, it's stunning. It's a wonderful show. I love it. I watched the first season of that on your recommendation. I did enjoy it, but I haven't yet got around to watching the latest it's, season. It's more of the same, you know, again, they have their little things yeah. that happen. Well, I figure, there's, yeah. dra- there's drama, but it's very small stakes. Per- it's personal drama. It's, you know, uh, just are they are they going to get married or not? Or are they going to make their friends angry or not? Or it's not like, you know, it, it's nothing soapy as much as it is just kind of like regular life. It's, it's very good. Um, I want to mention The Magicians on Sci-Fi, which had for a show that I've kind of liked the first couple of seasons. Its most recent season was spectacularly good. Like, I have not seen a show up its game on TV 
as much as the magicians did this year like there are like five or six standout episodes that i would put on a list of some of the best episodes i saw this year uh wow. unusual for that to happen i think that late in a, in a series life but the magicians absolutely did it um and finally since everybody else is picking cooking shows i will just mention that my favorite uh cooking show of all time uh, returned this year with a series of episodes that were that involved the host re-editing his episodes from 15 years ago yes. replacing mm-hmm. <laughs> replacing all of the recipes he regrets and making fun of him his past self in front of a green screen and that would be good eats reloaded on the food network in which alton brown mm-hmm. revises many of the things that he has regretted from the early days of his show good eats which ran in the mostly in the early part of uh, of this century so 15 years ago 10 years ago that sounds nuts it's, and he it's, brought back it's some of the actors who played other parts on the show yeah. which i was delighted to right. see them yeah and, and, right. and if you think about how he did it all it, it he spent a lot of time in front of a green screen because he actually like appears in front of himself from 15 years ago and starts like pointing at him and making fun of him which i feel bad for the old alton brown but it is the current alton <laughs> brown making fun of him so i guess it's fair um but he can't defend himself because he's in the past uh and it's it's uh it's fascinating to see uh him do a take and there he's going to make new episodes of good eats but the, their first thing they did was take 10 or 15 or something like that um, episodes that were favorites that he really regrets <laughs> and <laughs> redo them, which is with commentary. It's it's like hyperlinking on a TV show. It's it's bananas, but it's incredibly entertaining. So yeah. if you remember Good Eats fondly, it's worth seeking out on the cooking channel. I think Good Eats Reloaded. This extremely special episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by... A very special product, Express VPN. Now, you see a lot of reports about online security issues out there. It is natural to wonder about where your data is going when it's going out over the big bad internet, uh, especially when something as simple as sending an email can put your private information at risk. You're being tracked by all sorts of different sites, and maybe even your internet provider, the place that sees all all the traffic that goes in and out of your network. They can record your browsing history. They can sell your information to people who want to profit from it. Take back your privacy by using ExpressVPN. It works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing. It encrypts all of your data, hides your public IP address, and it's easy to use. You can turn on ExpressVPN protection with a single click. The apps are easy to use. They run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet, and it costs less than $7 a month. It was rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And if you ever use public Wi-Fi, like at your local Starbucks or whatever, and want to keep the bad guys away from your data, you need ExpressVPN. I've used it. I've got it on my iPad. Uh, one of the things I like about it, I, maybe I shouldn't admit to this on an open channel, but you can actually set different locations, and I watched some uh, streaming BBC news. Let's say it wasn't Doctor Who. Let's say it was news about Brexit. Yeah, that was it. Uh, and I was able to do that because it knew that I was in uh, the UK, which I totally was. Also, uh, Comcast is my ISP, and I don't really like the idea that Comcast can see every single thing that I do on their network. I don't like it. And you can uh, solve it with ExpressVPN very, very simply. A couple of taps on your phone or tablet, and you're done. If you don't want your online history in the hands of your ISP or other data brokers, use ExpressVPN. Find out you can also get three months free. 
with a one-year package by going to this address, expressvpn.com slash Snell. That's my last name, expressvpn.com slash Snell. You'll get three extra months free when you buy a one-year package, expressvpn.com slash Snell. To learn more, thank you to ExpressVPN for supporting The Incomparable. Okay, let's uh, move along, and we're going to talk about uh, movies. If people have uh, favorite movies of the year, we'll uh, do a round of that. Anthony? I th- This, again, wasn't f- released in 2018, but I only just saw it this year. I finally saw Arrival. Ah. And ah. It, it, yeah, I mean, you know, you don't need me to tell you. It's an amazing movie. I enjoyed it so much. Uh, I was kind of blown away by how good it was and how brave some of the choices were, considering, you know, it was a big budget movie. It's not like it was some small indie project. Um, yeah, absolutely amazing. And also, uh, just for, for people who enjoy this sort of thing or other writers, find the screenplay if you can. The screenplay is fantastic. Eric Heiser's uh, screenplay is just, it is so sparse. Uh, you you know watch a movie and so you expect that the screenplay maybe is going to be really kind of detailed and specific and it's really not it's incredibly sparse and I think it's watching the movie first and then reading the screenplay is a great example of uh, realizing how much of it was Denis Villeneuve but also that he did film the script it's not like he went off script or anything he filmed the script but he just you know brought his own vision to it and ran with it um, yeah absolutely fantastic I have rewatched that several times and reread the screenplay many times. Mm. Um and then this year uh Black Panther yeah. and yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Both of those movies, yeah. I mean Black Panther was great, mm-hmm. but Ant-Man and the Wasp, I really like the Ant-Man movies. I know they get a kind of you know, people kind of dismiss them, but I really liked the first Ant-Man movie and Ant-Man and the Wasp is even better. And the reason I lumped them together is I have also watched, you know, things like this year's Avengers movie and stuff. And I far prefer the sort of more self-contained, odder movies that Marvel puts out. They are always my favourites, rather than the big crossover Hmm. style, you know, massive Mm -hmm. $200 million Avengers movies. Um, And yeah, this year has just continued... To prove that, I mean, it's the same. The taste is my same in the comics as well. To be perfectly honest with you, so it, maybe it's not surprising, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> those are definitely my favourites. And if I would say to anyone, if you like, if you haven't seen the first Ant Man movie, go and watch it, and then do watch Ant Man and the Wasp because it really is just it's just a great adventure movie well i agree we did those together on our summer of marvel episodes last summer and very much said very much the same thing which is ant-man is one of those movies that we didn't even cover it when it came out but it, it gets lost in the shuffle but it's it's a delightful and funny movie and and um one of the things i feel like we learned overall in the summer of marvel process was that what has made marvel successful is not just that they build to these you know enormous 80 different characters in a movie kind of thing it's really that they have allowed themselves to make a bunch of different kinds of movies uh, across uh these other characters and ant-man is a great example because it's basically like a heist comedy with superpowers and like that they are comfortable enough to make movies like that that are not superhero genre movies but they're other kinds of genres with their characters and it's that i think that's the secret to their success well not only that but little known characters it was the first guardians movie that did right it. right you know, that was kind of they, they sci-fi comedy they, instead of a superhero movie right yeah. 
and they pretty much stated the, the the plan there was they knew if they could pull that off, if they could make a success of Guardians in the Galaxy, then they could do pretty much anything. And they did. Uh, and I would say, I mean, we mentioned this in the Summer of Marvel, but uh, Winter Soldier is a good example of uh, that's like a that's like a Cold War movie. It's a it's a paranoid. I mean, they said their model yep. was three days of the Condor. Like it is it, it, it feels very. Yes, it has a superhero smash them up at the end. But it, it that I think that goes uncommented on uh, too much in talking about Marvel's success that they they had the quite honestly the bravery uh, to do this because oh, yeah. the easy yeah, yeah. path is just to make the same superhero movie over and over again and they really don't Ant-Man is a great example and Ant-Man and the Wasp is a, is a good sequel that does a lot of the same things yeah and here's how much I love Black Panther uh, this year uh, Atomic Blonde and Black Panther were both up for the same movie at the Harvey Awards uh, for the same award sorry at the Harvey Awards which was best adaptation from a graphic novel and at the moment the nominations were announced, I knew we weren't going to win. I knew Black Panther was going to win, and I and I was happy because honestly, I would have voted for Black Panther as well wow. in that category. Aline, do you have any uh, movie favorites? This has been a sparse movie year. To give you an idea, the last movie I saw in the theater was The Avengers, and wow. um, I have not seen like Solo yet. So <laughs> oh, wow. I, I haven't seen new movies this year. That's I fair. haven't really watched movies this year. So Black Panther was great. And there are a lot of things I'm looking forward to watching someday right. when I have time. Black Panther, check. It's going to be the good place of this list, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Monty, yeah. do you have any movies on your list? I do. Uh, my Letterboxd account says I recorded 34 movies, which is definitely wow. less than half. Because I watch movies all the time. I work from home, and I often have a movie going while I am working. Oh, I wish I could do that. It's great. This is my mm. envious voice. Yeah. <laughs> to give you an idea of the depth I go into on the streaming services, I can report to everybody that Amazon has a documentary called Irwin and Fran, which is about Professor Irwin Corey who a couple of people will have heard of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it is a good documentary. It's way better than the Brother Theodore documentary, which I've also watched. <laughs> wow. The Brother Theodore documentary is one of those things where the narrator starts off saying, here's who I am, and here's what's interesting about me, and now I'm going to go try to talk to this interesting person. And it's mostly about the narrator. Erwin and Fran is narrated by Susan Sarandon and has a bunch of Dick Gregory talking about how much he likes Professor Erwin Corey. Uh, if you like really weird old stand-up comics who's specialized in double talk, Erwin and Fran is fantastic. Um, but getting to real movies, okay. I really liked Mandy. <laughs> Mandy is a horror movie that starts off very slow and meditative and... Then about halfway through, some bad stuff happens, and Nick Nicholas Cage has an amazing scene in a bathroom where he breaks down and drinks a whole bottle of vodka. And by the end of the movie, he is covered in blood and killing the bad people in amazing ways. Um, Mandy is not for everybody. I loved it. It's a really interesting-looking movie, and it deploys Nicholas Cage very well it's a movie where you see all the range nicholas cage has he doesn't start out at a hundred percent but he gets there by the end and it's just super fun if you like it if you don't like it it's unwatchable 
<laughs> yeah, the I, reviews are really split on that. I haven't yeah, seen it yet. I like a movie that makes a big swing. Uh, going the complete other direction, I really like Bohemian Rhapsody. It's not important or anything, but it, there's worse ways to spend a couple hours than listening to Queen music and watching Rami Malek look a lot like Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, it turns out, this is a movie I watched last week, so it's still fresh in my mind. The Last Dragon is on Netflix, and apparently I'd never watched it. It is – its full name is Barry Gordy's, Barry Gordy's The Last, the Last Dragon. Dragon. <laughs> it is uh, Kung Fu Nonsense from 1983 <laughs> set in Harlem. Um, stops everything dead to watch a bunch of Enter the Dragon and later stops everything dead to watch the video for Turn the Beat Around. No, Rhythm of the Night, sorry. I love it when people watch movies and other movies. It's just it makes me it makes me laugh so much, especially when they're much much better movies. Well, I mean, honestly, honestly, don't don't you agree with them in that moment? Like, yes, yes, let's stop this movie and watch yeah. that better movie, please. Well, they wanted to show this is why our main character likes Bruce Lee so much. Check out this guy; he was amazing. All right, enough of it. Um, everybody in it is kind of a bad actor and the kung fu is sloppy because it's not made by an actual kung fu director but it's super fun and if i had seen it in 1983 and i don't know why i wouldn't have i would have loved it because i really liked kung fu movies back then hey if you want two hours of vaguely uncomfortable but also super fun kung fu movie the Last Dragon on Netflix, everybody. All right. <laughs> Solid recommendation. Great. Great. Excellent. David, what are your movie... Do you, did you see any movies this year? What are your movie choices? I did see movies this year. I saw Black Panther, and yes, that's uh, on my best list. Uh, the Incredibles 2. Oh, yeah. Which does everything you want it to do. It does everything it says on the box. Um, Mission Impossible Fallout, which I still think the previous one was better. Because the the previous one was more surprising. It wasn't the same old, same old. This was the same old, same old, where you have to save the world by defusing two bombs and they're all the giant stunts. But it does it really well. And the stunts are kind of so amazing. Well, yeah. And, I mean, I really like Christopher McQuarrie as a writer and a director. And especially having gone back now and seen, like, all the behind the scenes and how they made the stuff. It's amazing. And I'm I'm also happy just because they made Warner Brothers digitally alter Henry Cavill's mustache. So that alone is pretty cool. That's they made Warner cool. Brothers try to digitally alter. <laughs> yes. Oh man. And and of course, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. It's just you know, it's really well plotted. It's really beautiful to look at. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, and and maybe my favorite movie of the year, Paddington Two. Ah. Which I actually had to look it up because everywhere you look, it says, oh, 2017, but it opened in the U.S. January 2018. But it's delightful. The first one was delightful. And Paddington was always my bear. I liked Winnie the Pooh. Nothing wrong with Winnie the Pooh. My Paddington is still currently sitting on my nightstand. He will be 39 this December. So Paddington 2, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. And it earned it. I hope you like being charmed because this movie is going to charm you. It's going to charm you up one side and down the other. <laughs> For me, I, I've got mostly stuff that's been mentioned before. I will throw in The Big Sick, which I saw oh, this yes. year, which is a very good, weirdly 
structured romantic comedy about a guy who meets a girl and then they break up and then she has a horrible disease and is in the hospital and he gets to know her parents uh ray romano really good performance uh in that too uh but that's uh kumail nanjani uh it's it's yeah it's it's a really good movie about and a, Emily V. Gordon and, and Emily V. Gordon. I, I didn't remember her name, but yeah, they're they're very good, and the movie is good. It's funny. It's sweet, and it is about something, and it takes it to some interesting places because it's so kind of unusual. It's sort of like the non ridiculous version of While You Were Sleeping. <laughs> um, Black Panther, great movie that's about something. Uh, Incredibles 2, thank you for mentioning that, David. Uh, that is my, The Incredibles is my favorite Pixar movie, and Incredibles 2 managed to be, you know, is it as good? No. Uh, is it, is it, does it live up to the movie that I love so much? Yes, it does. Um, and, uh, it was, I was very happy that it did. Um, and Into the Spider-Verse, I think that may be the best movie I saw all year. And, um, it, it does on so many different levels because not only is it a fun, uh, romp not only is it a uh full of references for somebody who loves spider-man like i do uh but it is uh it's got like it, it is also about something but also just technically it is spectacular it is one of the most i read a review before i went and saw it that said this is um this is the most this is like an achievement in the history of animation and then i saw it and i said oh yeah it th- they're right it is it in fact at one point i was watching this movie thinking to myself um, why do we do live action movies anymore? Like, why even bother? <laughs> well, be- to be honest, there's so much CGI, especially in a live action Spider Man movie. Right. That that was my thought. Was like, yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I, I'm not sure. I see the point in doing like live action superhero movies anymore. Um, when you can make a movie like this. Uh, so anyway, it's an amazing movie, and that 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 was probably my favorite movie of the year. Um, okay, let's let's uh turn the page to books and we'll throw and we'll throw comics very good yes well oh yeah thank you Ten thousand points deducted from me because i'm the host segue um segway bonus uh anthony books and comics that you would like to mention so i have uh really in the last couple of years i've been able to really amp up my reading of novels which had gone through a bit of a fallow period uh for various reasons which i'm just very happy about in general i'm currently on 55 books i think for this year uh as we record uh, and hoping to make 56 by the end of the year um which you know to some people that's not a lot but for me that is a lot uh so i'm just generally very happy about that um and I've enjoyed most of them that I've read, frankly. But specifically, uh, I reread Ursula Le Guin's Earthsea books at the start of the right. year. Did a podcast uh, about after that. After she passed. Right, exactly. I mean, obviously, it's not great that she died, but it prompted me to reread those books and reminded me just how great they really are. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy them. Um, I have also enjoyed this year Autonomous, the debut novel from Annalie Newitz. Uh, which is kind of missold in a way. Everybody seems to be trying to sell it as like, oh, it's cyberpunk, but with bio. And it's kind of, it's really not, but it is good. It's not perfect. You can tell it's a debut novel, but it is audacious and ambitious uh, and well-written. And yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And apparently it's going to be adapted to a TV series with her involved, which I'm very happy about. Um, 
I enjoyed I Am Princess X by Cherie Priest. Uh, full disclosure, Cherie is a friend of mine, but I do enjoy her work a lot. And I Am Princess X is the first in a few books that she's doing which meld prose with uh, comic book page you know there are some sections that are told as a comic book um and it's really good it's a it's a ya adventure about a sort of a fictional uh character the princess X, that this girl creates and fantasy and reality start to mix and it's just really really good very really well told very exciting um yeah just thoroughly enjoyed that uh, i i enjoyed again i know this isn't this year but i read the long way to a small angry planet by Becky Chambers, which, of course, you, I think pretty much all of you have recommended mm-hmm. at some point or another. Um, and so I read that at last and, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm about to start reading the second novel sometime in the next month. It's like it's on the pile, you know, close enough to the top that I know I'll get to it in the next few weeks. Uh, yeah, like every, I mean, I recorded and recently read about it. I enjoyed it so much. So go and listen to that if you want to hear further thoughts. Uh, I enjoyed The Fictional Man by Al Ewing, which I also did recently read about. Again, full disclosure, Al is a friend of mine, but uh, and he's best known as a comics writer, but he actually has written a load of novels, and they're all really weird, uh, and so is this one. Um, but that's why they're great. Al is a weird man, and I say that with the greatest affection and love for him. He is a very strange and weird man, and I love him for it, and I love his fiction. So the the fiction, if you're a writer, you really should read The Fictional Man. It is absolutely it's cuttingly accurate uh, depiction of the neuroses of a writer um uh, i also enjoyed the murderbot diaries by martha wells which jason has recommended many times uh i read all, the three current ones i think there's a fourth one on the way is that right scott scott has read all of them i've only read the first one although i really liked it oh okay right oh well i, I read the first three now um and yeah thoroughly enjoyed them actually. i was offended by the fact that they're all novellas that they're charging full novel prices for <laughs> yeah that is that so is a bit I'm of i'm waiting a for a sale um, <laughs> yeah well which is actually how i got them yeah but um yeah thoroughly enjoyed those uh very well written very enjoyable um and i finally got to read the novel the first novel by my high school english teacher which wow. he wrote and was published while i was at high school uh and oh, it was wow. one of the things and bearing in mind, I went to a high school in a small town, you know, not in a sort of centre of people who go on to have careers in media. It was one of the things that made me realise as a teenager, oh, oh, it's possible for people like me from this town to be published authors. Um, uh, his name was Trevor Wright, best teacher I ever had. I owe him an awful uh, lot. Uh, and the novel is called The Shifting Pier. And I mean, it's very old fashioned. Bearing in mind, this is a man who, you know, was born in the 1940s. Um, so it is quite old fashioned. Uh, and it's even set in the past as well. But it's a kind of weird semi ghost story uh, that I thoroughly enjoyed. I was actually surprised how much I enjoyed it. I kind of went in with some trepidation, especially given that it was published in the 80s. But it was actually, yeah, really, really enjoyable. So that was great. Uh, and then graphic novels, I've really enjoyed Paradiso Volume 1 by Ram V and Dev Pramanik, which is a sort of weird sci-fi post-apocalyptic thing, but with a philosophical, a very philosophical edge uh, and just kind of strange. Ram's one of the more interesting new writers coming up in the scene with some great high concepts and really knows how to use the comics medium. Um, and Paradiso is one of his new major works. Really enjoy that. Tumult. 
by John Harris Dunning and Michael Kennedy, uh, which is a big graphic novel, kind of magical realism thing. Uh, really hard to describe, but I, I would just recommend that you go and read it. Um, I've enjoyed the continuing uh, Wicked and Divine by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. Again, again, old friends of mine have to just sort of say that, but Wickdiv really is their magnum opus, just fantastic piece of work. Um, and uh, another friend of mine, Paul Duffield, finally got The Firelight Isle, which is a webcomic that he's been doing for years, finally got it into print. He did a Kickstarter for the first volume, and it is fantastic because it's a vertical comic. It reads, you know, you, you turn the pages vertically, or on the web you scroll vertically rather than horizontally. And he does amazing things with that uses that to its fullest extent. Uh, he's an amazing artist, a great storyteller. Firelight Isle is a wonderful fantasy story. Kind of, I would say, if you if you like Miyazaki, you would like the Firelight Isle. It's not the same, but it, it's kind of you know I can see there's a lot of influence there, and I think if you enjoy one, you'd enjoy the other. Uh, and it is now available, I believe, through normal retail channels as well. Uh, so yeah, rec- re- recommend that. All right, Aline, any uh, books and/or comics to recommend? Oh, yes. This was an excellent reading year for me. I've read over 80 books. Um, and that wow. does, that doesn't include the books that I started, got 50 or so pages in, was like, I don't like this <laughs> and gave up on. So had an excellent reading year. I'm really, um, really happy. Hands down, the books that I recommend anybody read uh, from this year are... Mary Robinette Kowal's The Calculating Stars and The Faded Sky. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They're beautiful. Oh, yeah. They're beautifully written. They're fairly easy to read. If you get them as the audiobooks, uh, the author reads them. She is also a voice actress. She does an excellent job. And what these books also did for me, because previously, um, these, these, this is a duology. It was released within like a month of one another, I think. Um, but it's based on a short story that she wrote a few years ago. And before I read these two books, I'd never re- read, aside from that short story, I'd never read anything else that she'd written. So I read The Calculating Stars and then I felt really empty and sad because I knew the next book wasn't coming out for a little while, not years, thank goodness. And so I did a Mary Robinette Kowal binge and read every novel that she's uh, written. <laughs> and they're all really, really good. Um, Mary Robinette Kowal's accountant, thanks. Yeah, well, I got them from the library. So <laughs> no. in the US, it's not not so great okay. for her. But, um, but they were all really, really good her writing is is easy is entertaining and her her mastery of story i think is is excellent um so yes anything by her but especially the calculating stars and the faded sky they're just beautiful and there will be more of these books i'm so excited um I there's a guy you may have heard of. His name is um, Anthony. He's written some graphic novels called The Fuse. Um, I know him. Uh-huh. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. Um, I finally got to read read uh, <laughs> Anthony. I finally got to read the the ones that you have published. I really really enjoyed them all. I even got my husband to read them, and he hasn't been a huge reader this year, so um, it's kind of a testament. I I liked them a lot, and oh bless you, thank um, you. I read. Record of a Spaceborn Few by Becky Chambers, which is the third um, in her Wayfinders uh, series. And 
And I also liked it a lot. It's very different. You know, we've talked about The Good Place and how they've changed things up over three seasons. Becky Chambers has changed things up a lot in three books. Um, this is maybe my least favorite of the three, but it's still excellent. I still recommend you read it. Um, you don't have to read these books in order. I mean, I recommend you do just because that's how they were written, but... Uh, they're really good. And then some nonfiction. I don't read a lot of nonfiction, but some nonfiction I enjoyed this year, uh, was Shrill by Lindy West, The Radium Girls, uh, by Kate Moore, I think. Oh, um, which Radium is, was har- horrifying. It's horrifying. It's heartbreaking. Horrifying. It, it gave me opinions about, um, the need for regulations that I didn't know I had, uh, felt so deeply seated. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, a good heartbreaking read about how women who worked with radioactive materials in um, up until really the 1970s were kind of treated and um, gaslit about things that they were experiencing. Um, so you want to talk about race was another great read and between the world and me was another great nonfiction read. So um, like I said, I don't read a whole, t- a lot of nonfiction, but those were four books that I thought were pretty important and and good. Great. Monty, any books and comics for you? Yes. Um, I did better at tracking my books than movies. Goodreads said uh, I read 40 books this year. Um, I'm currently in the middle of three books, one, two of which I'm going to talk about, actually. Uh, all of the books I'm going to talk about came out a while ago. Uh, one of the books I'm reading right now is called Pulpwood Editor, and it's from 1937, and it's about the state of pulp magazines, which are huge and are going to be huge forever. And there's a whole chapter on why Westerns are so popular. And there's ch- a chapter on dealing with your writers who are usually poor idiots pounding away on manual typewriters. And it's just super fun if you like thinking about pulp magazines in the 1930s. and No lies detected. Yeah. And another <laughs> of the books I'm in the middle of right now is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So I'm probably going to finish that when I have a, a spare 15 minutes and I might tear through the rest of Narnia as well. The book I think I enjoyed the most this year is called Dungeons and Dragons Art and Arcana, A Visual History. Oh, is that the one that costs like $100? Yeah, it's a huge yeah. hardback with great full-color representations of art from Dungeons and Dragons. And that's from the very beginning, like the little white chainmail books all the way to fifth edition. So it serves as a history of D and D. And it also shows like, and here's how we got the owl bear, which is that they had some weird little plastic toys from Japan that they were using as miniatures and needed to give names to. And you see like the art evolution of not just the monsters, but also the advertisements and the layout of the books. And if you have played D&D for a long time, every other page is just incredibly nostalgic. Um, I also wanted to mention that this year I read The Power Broker by Robert A. Caro, which I believe is Elliot Kalin's favorite book. It's about how New York got the way it is through the machinations of a person who it turns out was very fond of parks and upper middle class white people and building freeways to get the latter to the former and 
didn't care who got in his way. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I think that's John's, uh, I, one of John Syracuse's favorite books, uh, too. It's very good. It's also very long. Mm, that's what I hear. Uh, I mentioned that so people are impressed with how much I read. Uh, <laughs> speaking of how much I read, I finally... A oh, Goodreads tracks your pages. Yeah, I finally read <laughs> The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Ah, yes. Hey, you all were right. It's great. Yeah. I have the sequel on my shelf. I hope to read it. I'll probably read it sometime before the third book comes out. Burn. And I read uh, The Way of Kings, which is Brandon Sanderson's first book in the Stormlight Archive. And it was also really long, but went really fast. Um, he's a good writer. I got that on my Kindle. I haven't uh, I haven't read that yet. It's fun. Cool. That's what I got. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I guess that brings us to David, who really doesn't read. What do you, yeah, do you I read only, anything, I only, David? A, <laughs> I only have a couple of bookcases here um i will second the mary robin at koal books i read them as soon as they came out i'm excited that there will be more of them and i'm sad that i have to wait for them um a book called all our wrong todays by elan mastai i think that's how you pronounce his name a really interesting time and dimension hopping book um the book space opera by Catherine valente which is basically if Douglas Adams wrote about a space Eurovision concert, uh, it is kind of amazing. Um, let's see. I'm trying to read this. You know, he gets kind of a, a bum rap and people are like, oh, it's too popular. Oh, it's just it's not his great, greatest work. I just enjoy John Scalzi. I'm sorry. I liked The Consuming Fire and, and The Collapsing Empire. I read them both this year back to back. Um, BBC Books did a really cool thing and got various writers to adapt episodes and i will say twice upon a time uh, adapted by paul cornell and the day of the doctor adapted by stephen moffat are two of the books i enjoyed most this year partly because the day of the doctor is like reading a completely different story yes it's the same story but it's delightful what he does with it he, he bends it around and oh it's just fun um let's see a, a book by delia efron called syracusa which is not about John Syracuse at all, but they did. They did at mention John Syracuse on Twitter endlessly while promoting it, which is hilarious. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Hellfire Club by Jake Tapper, which is a just a good DC thriller. DC is in the place, not the comic books. Um, there's an espionage novel that I really enjoyed. I, I'm I'm going to say the writer is a friend. It's called The Exforia Code Full by Anthony Johnston. Full disclosure. Um, I'm the, never going to live that down. <laughs> you're never going to live that down. I'm just trying to, be, I'm just trying to avoid the inevitable <laughs> onslaught of people going, how dare you no. recommend books by people you know? No, I just think it's funny that we're disclosing about somebody who's on this episode. On the podcast. That's, that's right. That's right. It's have to right in front of you. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. It's been done twice. Now it has to be done every time. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, two books that are related to podcast series the the novel alice isn't dead by joseph fink uh he's the co-creator of night vale this is another podcast he does which is also really interesting and a prequel to the the series limetown which is surprisingly good it's i i picked it up just out of curiosity because i haven't listened to, to the show very much and it's really pulled me in it's a really really well well done it's not it's not like a TV novelization or anything like that. 
Um, even though I just mentioned two good TV novelizations, go figure. Um, Hope Never Dies, a murder mystery written by Andrew Schaefer, starring uh, that amazing detective duo of Joe Biden and Barack Obama. Uh, it is, again, kind of a, a different reality, but it's a lot of fun. And it's really well written for what it is. It's it's like, a, it's not, again, it's not like a cheap parody. Uh, Nomon, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, G-N-O-M-O-N by Nick Harkaway. Um, oh, that's that thing in the middle of a sundial. Yes. Ah, okay. Yes. Thank you. Um, the Con Artist by Fred Van Linte, which is a murder mystery set at, at a comic con, uh, which is also kind of delightful. Uh, the Seven Torments of Amy and Craig by playwright Don Zalitas, which I would love to adapt someday. And uh, for for people who want to write, for people who want to learn how to construct stories, Damn Fine Story by Chuck Wendig, which is delightful and demented advice for writers. All right. And uh, from my list, I'm going to just repeat the praise of Mary Robinette Kowal's The Calculating Stars and the Faded Sky. Um, I also really enjoyed discovering the strange case of the alchemist's daughter this year by theodore mm-hmm. goss which i really enjoyed and i have uh, two other picks that i wanted to mention one is a coffee table book that is out now that incomparable listeners will probably love called typeset in the future by dave addy which is entirely about the production design and mostly the type but not entirely in science fiction movies from the mostly 70s and 80s late 60s through 80s so there are chapters in there about uh 2001 and alien and blade runner and he goes into detail about like why euro style is the font of the future and uh, how the computer interfaces in alien were created and it you know it's amazing all the way up to a spectacular uh portion of the book that's about wally and the amazing production design that Pixar did for Wall-E. So, if you're a fan of uh, movie sci-fi and creating these uh, these worlds that the characters inhabit, um, he's written a bunch of essays about it on the web. And then this is the kind of coffee table book adaptation. It is a gorgeous, heavy, uh, wonderful book. And I love that the uh, the font on the front is the Star Trek font, which makes me amused. <laughs> uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture also covered in that book. Um, unsurprisingly that's on my wish list it is uh, it's great it's i pre-ordered it like in february and i got it like last week it's it's great and finally i just want to mention my favorite comic uh superhero comic of the last decade (laughs) ended this year and that's invincible by robert kirkman everybody knows him as the guy who does the walking dead uh invincible is a great story about you know, your classic teenager discovers he's got powers, discovers, uh, in this case, the, though, that his father is a, a superhero. Uh, his father is also apparently an alien and also apparently uh, out to dominate the Earth and kill all the other superheroes on the Earth, which is, you know, just like a parent to ruin everything. And over the course of the 140-odd issues, uh, that uh, character grows up. And it doesn't, they don't, they don't remain in a stasis. They, they grow up, he grows up and gets married and has kids and has to deal with uh, a lot of family issues. And of course, a lot of superhero fight issues too. And 
you know, portals and parallel universes and monsters and all the things you do. And it has a, an incredibly satisfying conclusion. They really stuck the landing. And I, uh, I will also point out that there is an episode or an issue about like uh, 80 issues in where, uh, there's, where he goes into the future and sees a glimpse of what his future is going to be. And it is entirely for the rest of the series. It remains entirely consistent. Uh, which is a, t- a tough trick to say to take a, you know, eighty issues away and say this is what happens in the future and actually write to it where you uh, where you get there and beyond, but you get there and uh, and you didn't cheat, which uh, Robert Kirkman didn't do. So it's great, and it, I have now three enormous paperback collections of the entire series on my bookshelf, and I love it. Uh, and I think there's going to be a movie or a TV show or something, but uh, I love the comic. Oh. Of a Kirkman property? Surely not. Yeah, I know, right? He's, uh, well, I mean, he just had the one, but now it's sort of like, well, let's, what else do we have here? Let, what else can we find? Um, okay, one more time around before we we are done with this, uh, just to, this is the grab bag, anything that doesn't fall into the movies, TV, books, and comics category, uh, one last turnaround. Okay, Anthony, do you have, in the grab bag category, what do you have? So, uh, let's see, video games, just, well, I mean, I played several, but one that I want to say is, and again, didn't come out in 2018, but I played in 2018, finally, Uncharted 4. Uh, the Uncharted series, you know, is the, most people know it, Nathan Drake is the sort of modern-day Indiana Jones video game series. Uh like the other games in that series, like superb storytelling, great voice acting, uh, you know, sort of big adventure, archaeology, destroying ancient cities kind of uh, uh, games. It was it was a good fitting ending to the series. I'm glad it's over. I think that the series and that kind of series has run its course. Um, and it's interesting to me that they then the next game actually featured two female minor characters as the stars instead uh, in Uncharted Legacy or whatever it was called. Um, I haven't played that yet, but Uncharted 4, yeah, was a good fitting ending to the series. So I did really enjoy that, but I am, I'm glad it's done. You know, it sort of went out on a high. Um, music, because this is me. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Tony... Tony Banks, the keyboardist of Genesis, he's, uh, he's basically because Genesis is no more. What he does now is every few years records a album of classical music. Uh, and anybody who loves Banks's instrumental stuff in Genesis basically is going to love these because it's the same thing, but with an orchestra. Uh, he really he did the first one in 2004, which was called Seven. He followed it up a few years later with an album called Six. And this year he released his latest, which to everyone's surprise is called Five. Uh, <laughs> and that's how many pieces are on each CD. Um, they're great. It, basically, like I say, if you like Banks's instrumental work in genesis you will like these and i absolutely love them they're some of my favorite records of the last decade uh and the sciences released this year the first new album in almost 20 years from legendary stoner band sleep i'm not going to go into their history it's long and complicated they had an album that went almost unreleased for nearly 20 years because the record company hated it it's one track that lasts an hour uh, this isn't that this is i think seven tracks over just over an hour and it has jason roder from one of my favorite bands neurosis joined the band uh, as their new drummer which is one of the re- things that makes it stand out for me the drumming is absolutely superb uh yeah yeah if you're into that kind of thing you probably know about it already but maybe you don't it's called the sciences it's really good uh and then this isn't pop culture but i just want to throw this in this was a good year for me personally i mean it's been you know it's 
a crap year in many ways uh, throughout the world, but I visited Kazakhstan, for heaven's sake. I was on the BBC. Uh, I had my first short story printed in Interzone, a magazine I started reading when I was a teenager. I wrote my first screenplay and I released uh, an album myself, a new Salenson album at the start of the year. So it's, you know, overall, personally, it's been a pretty good year. So uh, I'm glad to see the back of it. But, you know, I've enjoyed myself. Very nice. Very nice. Good year, for sure. Uh, Aline, do you have any uh, other grab bag not mentioned yet things that you'd like to talk about um i would like to talk about the nintendo switch the joy that is splatoon 2 and the fun i'm having playing diablo 3 in co-op mode with my husband um but yeah it's been a year of moving across the country and reading books all right that's fair moving across the country that's a that's a big one it was a big one Maybe not. It a, was a big. Maybe one. not a favorite of the year, but definitely of the year. It's a thing that happened <laughs> right. in the year. Good, solid, <laughs> solid. Monty, any uh, leftovers from you? Very early in this year, I got a PS4, which I'd I'd had a PS4 once before, but found myself not really using it much. And then I got a job where I worked on Xbox One, so I traded it for an Xbox One. But now I have both. Uh, so right at the beginning of the year, I played Near Automata which technically came out last year, but I don't care. Um, it is a super fun game that's kind of about false endings and what it means to be a robot versus a human. Like, there are several times when you find out, oh, that thing you thought was an automaton. No, that's conscious too. But also, it's a lot of fun. And it's got an amazing ending that I won't spoil, but makes you make a very difficult choice. Um then later in the year, I played what was my favorite video game of the year, Marvel's Spider-Man on the PS4. It's suspiciously like the uh, Arkham games, which I love very much, but Spider-Man instead of Batman. The main difference is that the web swinging is the most fun travel I've ever had in a video game. <laughs> there is a fast travel option where you get to see Spider-Man on the subway checking his messages. <laughs> <laughs> but you never use it because it's just more fun to swing across the city. You can swing in a million different ways, and it's always exhilarating, which turns out to be the most important thing you can do in a Spider-Man game is make web swinging work. I played that to completion in like two weeks. I loved the heck out of it. If you have a PS4, play the Spider-Man game. And it's interesting that there's a whole bunch of Miles Morales in it as well in addition to the Spider-Verse movie. And I think between the two, we might have gotten to a place in the culture where we could have a Miles Morales movie and not have a whole bunch of idiots complaining that it's not Peter Parker. Like, I think people have been introduced to the idea of different people being Spider-Man. If they're paying any attention at all, Fingers crossed. Maybe. Fingers crossed. Miles is a great character, and we should have more of him. Another couple of video games I loved this year was Super Hot, which came out a while ago, but I didn't play it until this year. Uh, that's the game where time only moves forward while you're moving. So it's a bullet hell game. There's bullets everywhere, and you stop, and you look around, and you see where the bullets are, and then you move 
an inch to the right and all the bullets move two feet forward and you move another inch to the right and the bullets move two feet forward and you get out of the way. And when you're done with that and you've killed all the people on the level, then it plays in real time and you see how cool you look. (laughs) Oh, wow. It's a great game. There's also a weird plot that's a lot of fun, but mostly it's just a lot of fun to play because – for just a moment, you feel like you're really, really good at video games. Because <laughs> look at this awesome thing you did. <laughs> and I played Dragon Age Inquisition to the end a couple more times this year. Uh, I really enjoy that game. All right. Uh, I listen to a bunch of podcasts this year, just like every year. Mm-hmm. I will mention some that are not on the Incomparable Network. Right. Um, I, no disclosure required. <laughs> <laughs> um, I continue to love Comedy Bang Bang. I continue to love The Adventure Zone. I continue to love Extra Hot Great. Uh, full disclosure, I was a guest on Extra Hot Great a few times. Um, there was a new season of the Andy Daly Podcast Pilot Project, where Andy Daly does several different characters and the premise is that each of those characters has recorded a pilot for a podcast and here's what this character would do as a podcast and then it gets rejected by Earwolf because Andy Daly doesn't really have time to do that one of the episodes he's playing L. Ron Hubbard and they have to do a little hand waving to explain how Ed L. Ron Hubbard recorded a podcast pilot from a boat decades ago but it's very funny uh, it was turned in on a cassette tape i think i saw some theater this year i saw a little show called hamilton hmm. finally that thing's pretty good <gasps> i've so heard good, good things <laughs> um i also took improv classes all year and got to perform improv at a live audience they seem to enjoy it um and the main non Any other category thing that I have been enjoying recently is called Critical Role, and I'm going to talk about it real briefly. It is a show where you watch people play Dungeons & Dragons, and you're thinking, that's crazy. Um, I I would never do that. I actually watch the videos instead of just listening to it because there's somewhere from six to eight people playing plus the DM, so it gets a little noisy if you're not watching them. Um, they've been playing together for like six years and have had a show for four. So they're very in tune with each other. And also they're all professional voice actors. So they're very good at getting into character. It was a little distracting when I would stop watching Critical Role and switch over to Spider-Man because they're all over that game. One of them (laughs) plays Kingpin. One of them plays Mary Jane. A couple more of them play the passersby you see all the time. So their voices are still happening. Or like I would stop playing, stop watching Critical Role and play some Overwatch. Oh, well, the DM is also McCree in this game. So his voice is still coming at me. They're very good at D&D. Uh, they just started a new campaign this year. They're up to episode 46 or so. Um, it's a real commitment because every episode is three to four and a half hours, which it takes a while to watch, but it really feels like you're watching a D&D session because they don't edit it. It's just here's the whole D&D session. Um, they've been pretty successful, so now they have miniatures that look exactly like their characters because they're custom made and they have sound effects oh there are people who cosplay do critical role cosplay it's yeah it's a real phenomenon it's super fun i like it a lot and that is the final thing i'm going to say is that i'm really into critical role now all right cool 
Uh, David, any leftovers from you? No, I, I don't have a lot. I, I read too many books to play video games this year, so I don't have any video games. Um, but I did see The Band's Visit, which won the Tony, and I think it won several other things. Uh, everybody loves this thing. Um, it's It's a really delightful adaptation of the film uh, with music by David Yazbek, who did... Um, Let's see, The Full Monty, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. They're all really good musicals, but this one, this one is somehow, this is a little more special. Um, and, and even just the album is worth getting if, if you can't see it. Uh, also on a Broadway theme, uh, Melissa Errico, uh, who is a, a musical theater performer in, in New York, uh, just released an album called Sondheim Sublime, which is a, collection of nothing but Sondheim. I've seen her do it in concert. Full disclosure, she is actually a friend, but it's a delightful album either way. If you get a chance to see her live, by all means, go see it. Um, the score from the public theater's recent Twelfth Night, which was in Central Park in Manhattan, I didn't see the show, unfortunately, but I have the album and it's fantastic. It's gotten rave reviews as a show. It, uh, all the music is composed in uh, by a, a young woman named Shana Taub, and the show was conceived by her and Kwame Kwe Arma, full disclosure, also a friend, now the artistic director of The Young Vic in London. <laughs> and it is, it's just a fun, fun adaptation of Twelfth Night. And uh, as a result of that, I went and found all that I could find of her on YouTube and iTunes, and there's a full two-hour concert of hers from the American Songbook series at Lincoln Center, on YouTube, and it is just delightful. I went and bought all her music because it's just good. Uh, also on the music front, I have Hollywood Africans by John Batiste, the band leader from the Stephen Colbert Late Show. Uh, just a really good jazz album that he's been working on several years. And the the EP Winter Wishes by Pomplamoose. I just, I love Pomplamoose. What can I say? And the last song on the album is maybe my new favorite Christmas song. It's very earwormy. That's all I will say. And the last thing, technically, it's a book. I guess I could have included it in books. But really, it's a collection of tweets. And unlike Philip Michaels, I actually like Lin-Manuel Miranda's inspirational tweets in the morning and in the night. And he got together with Johnny's son to illustrate them and put together a book called Good Morning, Good Night. And, you know, at, at first it was sort of like, gee, what is he doing? What is this? You know, I don't need this. This you know, inspirational. Blah, get away from me. Because um, I'm very much like Phil otherwise. And when I realized these were actually kind of fun, and then when I, I saw him in an interview talking about them and saying, I actually write them just for me. I change it to you because I figure you can use them too. But I write what I need to get through the day each day. And I, and I, started reading them more carefully and said, you know, I kind of get that. Okay. And so they collected them in a book and it's just a, it's a delightful little book. All right. Uh, my little roundup here game wise, um, 
I do not have a PS4, so I couldn't play Spider-Man, but I have an iPad, and I played Alto's Odyssey, the sequel to Alto's <gasps> oh, Adventure. I yeah, did yeah, yeah. play a video game. To com- yes. I played it to completion. <laughs> it. it is the best I have been at any video game in probably 20 <laughs> yes. years. I killed it, people. I nailed it. I, I played Same the whole here. thing all the way through and had the highest score among all my friends, and it was the best. Um, mentioned earlier The Good Place, the podcast, one of the best podcasts I've heard in a very long time. Time, especially about the making of a TV series. If you are tired of official podcasts that are all just kind of puffery, where everybody says how great the episode was and how great you are. I mean, they don't rip the episodes or anything, but what they do is they talk about how they made the episode and what the different jobs are of the people who work. And it's not just the actors and the writers. It's also members of the crew, the set dressers, the art directors. There are all sorts of other people who are in, end up on that podcast and, uh, uh, it's just incredibly well done. I highly recommend it. Hosted by uh, Mark Evan Jackson. Who plays Sean. Who plays yeah. Sean. <laughs> uh, and is also on Brooklyn Nine-Nine sometimes. Indeed. He's all over the place. Indeed. Um, music, I just want to say I loved the albums by Churches and the 1975 that came out this year. Uh, loved them both a whole lot. And finally, my other pick for the thing I like this year, I got a 65-inch 4K HDR TCL television set, and it is fantastic. I had to buy, like, new furniture for my living room, but boy, it is great. And that is where I watch the TV shows and many of the movies. And uh, what an upgrade. It was really, really nice. And that's why they looked so great. That's right. They do. They do. I like the I like the extra Ks. And I like the extra HDRs. <laughs> I, I bet all the Janets looked twice as good as the, the Janets I saw. Well, th- that that was just in 1080 with no extra dynamic range, so <laughs> it just looked the same as yours. It was it was fine. But uh, yeah, anyway, I, I got a new TV and it's beautiful. Um, and that's it. We, that brings us to the end of the things we like. Uh, but don't wait. There's more, uh, or wait. There's more, or don't leave. There's more. I don't know what to say here. Oh God! Don't there's touch more. That dial. Don't touch that dial on a podcast if your podcast player of choice has a dial, because it probably will do something that you do not want it to do. Instead, you should wait for the weird segue that is about to happen as we move from our things we liked in 2018 to what you've probably all been waiting for, which is our clip show where we recycle things we already did and make you listen to them again. Uh, because because why not? And that is coming up next. But before we do that, I want to thank again my panelists who had things they liked. Thank you for liking things in 2018. Anthony Johnston. Uh, thank you, Jason. And may the force be with you always. Aline Sims, thanks for liking things in 2018. You're welcome. I'm glad the first half of this episode sh- could be so tight and short. Yes. <laughs> it was like 10 minutes, right? It just yeah, blew on quick. by. Monty Ashley, thank you. You're welcome, Jason. And you're welcome, David. And you're oh, welcome, God. Aline. And you're welcome, Anthony. And... You're welcome, listeners. All right. Another hairs on my other arm. Wow, it's like romper room in here. And David J. Lore, thank you. Thank you, Steve. It's it's always been a pleasure. And full disclosure, I actually know you. You just call him Steve. And with that, I hand this podcast over to myself with an entirely different group of panelists right after this. Joining me now to talk about favorite things in the incomparable are four of our 10 most prolific panelists in 2018 number one a tie what between dan morin hello dan morin goes first because he also hosted an episode so he gets the tiebreaker Woo-hoo! hello dan morin 
You're number Hello, one. Hello, Jason Snow. I, I am number one. Finally! Finally! Always a bridesmaid. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Erica Ensign is number two. Just <gasps> Twinsies! Twinsies! Uh, Twinsies! Yeah, there is no one I'm happier to share this with. Oh, wow. me too. Me too. It's a love fest already. <laughs> um, our, our number three most prolific panelist this year was Moises Chuyan, who has completely lost his voice as we record this and therefore could not be here. David J. Lore was fourth. Aline Sims and Monty Ashley tied for fifth. But uh, the sixth panelist is the crazy round. What? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> it's Steve Lutz. I was unaware I was still on the show. I was too, but somehow <laughs> there was an error, obviously somewhere. I guess so. Wow, sixth, boy. Yeah. Uh, I think actually, honor. I'm looking here, you're technically you were tied w- tied uh, for fifth, but I just wanted to say the crazy round because. Is this just <laughs> mothership or is this all. Just all the mothership. Episodes? Just the mothership. Okay. okay. Wow. I'm shocked. Yeah. Uh, G. McDonald, eighth. Joe wow. Steele, Lisa Schmeiser, and this person tied for ninth. It's Chip Sutter. Hi, Chip. I, I, I made the list. You made, I made the, the list. list. <laughs> You're in the top ten, which is eleven because there was a tie. But uh, you're still you're still tied for ninth, and that's all. They can't take that away from you, Chip. Ever. I, I, I somehow feel like there's still an asterisk involved, but I'll take it. Yeah, no, it's you're, it's legit. It's totally legit. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about uh, my my panelists are gonna talk about some favorite moments on the incomparable and related networks this year, and then I'm gonna play a bunch of clips selected by listeners with their favorite moments from the past year from across not just this podcast the incomparable but other parts of the incomparable network i just to explain this because we have a lot of clips from the game show and from total party kill i'll just i'll just explain there was a time when we tried to play game shows and DD on the incomparable and then i decided that was probably a little too far outside of the remit of the main show so we created spinoff podcasts which means essentially for the last few years the incomparable has been posting on average two episodes a week between the game playing spinoffs in the main show so never say we didn't give you anything that's right <laughs> i'm still waiting for the spinoff of the beer episodes so that we can do that oh man <laughs> wouldn't that be something wouldn't that be something all right so uh to start us off we'll talk about some favorite moments and episodes from this year gone by and then i'll get to the clips but first dan do you want to start us off sure uh i will start us off are we uh are we limiting this to the uh, the main show or is this anywhere no right any now? anywhere you want anywhere is, is anywhere is fine. we want well i'm gonna start off by a, a an episode that i will take all of the blame for and that would be <laughs> yeah you will episode 426 in which we watched a terrible movie at my suggestion that being <laughs> equilibrium uh. <laughs> This did not make my man, list, Dan. Dan. You're a bad man. <laughs> I, you know what? It's it's misery loves company, and I really, I, you know, I did not think I would necessarily ever revisit this movie. So I'm glad that other people were there with me, so that they we could all experience it together. And those of you who had not seen it could experience for the first time how truly hilariously awful this movie is. Uh, but you do it obviously in an emotionless fashion because. There are no emotions in the future. No. Unless you're Tay Diggs. I have a question for you, Dan Morin. I have an answer for you, Chips Earth. How in the name of heaven did you get so many people to suffer with you? Because that was a hell of a cast. Well, in the immortal words, uh, evil always wins because good is dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I resemble that remark. (laughs) In other less immortal words, several of us had not seen this movie. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm glad I, I also resemble that. that remark. Had we actually seen this movie, he would have had a much smaller cast, I suspect. <laughs> Indeed. We trusted you, Dan. But that, that's kind of the point. That's the point of rocket surgery. I'm delivering on the premise you, you of did. the concept. Yeah. You, you really did. You're not so, supposed to do it so acutely, though, is the thing. I, you know what? I perfected it. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> so also on the main show this year, of course, <laughs> it was only this year that we did the Summer of Marvel. Yes, it was. Uh, and I would say I enjoyed pretty much all of the episodes of that I was on. But I'm going <laughs> to maybe I've, I'm noticing a theme here. I'm going to call out a special favorite episode, which Uh-oh. would be episode 415, <laughs> in which we talked about Thor and Thor 2 with Jason, who oh. famously does not like those epi- those movies at all. I like uh, the first but, one okay. Uh, the second yeah, one I Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but I was... In particular, it was a delight because uh, Joe Steele was on that episode, and I don't feel like I get to do podcasts with Joe that often. Uh, and he he is always very incisive in his critique. And I believe he specifically a moment that I recall uh, is that he describes one one of the uh, composers of the Marvel Universe as like the wallpaper of the or the spackle maybe of the Marvel the Universe. Spackle was right. You got it. <laughs> yeah, that was Brian Tyler, I believe, is the spackle of the Marvel Universe, uh, which you know clearly stuck in my head. Um, along those lines, this was the year where we also did two separate music episodes that I was on, which is incredibly rare for me because I'm not like a super into music person, but we did two music drafts of TV show theme songs and of film scores, both of which were excellent. Uh, and it was, it was a pleasure to be able to actually contribute in a, in a conversation about music because really all I listened to were TV show theme songs just Mm -hmm. day after day. In and out. One day at a time. One day at a time. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I'd also like to throw out uh, our episode on Solo, number 408, which I enjoyed, and followed by our episode on Casablanca, 409. So those two things really go well together, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I think of them in the same breath all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then we, of course, also did our first ever never-done-before board game draft in episode 435. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great idea. I'm glad we thought of it. We should do. We should do a board game draft. What, Jason? Yeah, Ooh. I don't know. I think it. Put I it think it's got list. legs. I think it's got legs. Uh, and then a couple quick callouts from the other shows. Uh, I got to do two live episodes of Inconceivable this year, which was a lot of fun at Emerald City Comic Con, which is number 83, and at Worldcon, where Jason served ably uh, in uh, episode 93. And both of those were a lot of fun because it's always a kick to do those with people actually like in the same room. Uh, in fact, the Worldcon one was recorded in a hotel room. <laughs> um was that erica was that your hotel room i think <laughs> yes it was yeah that was uh with lots of people sitting on beds and, and talking mm-hmm. into microphones yeah real <laughs> professional stuff hey, but Dan, it sounds great you know what, what was really great about that episode and this was reminded uh by contestant adam Rakunis, who sent this in was that time <laughs> when you sang Oh no. <laughs> Marty was a man who aimed to be in a band, but he played it way too loud. Marty left his home in Hill Valley, California for that good old 50s crowd. Get back to the future. You better stay 29 if you can, little girl. The Sandman's oh, looking for you, little girl. Catch you running from your fate. That's the end, uh, little girl. Logan's run for your life. <laughs> 10 points. 
picture yourself in a rig on the ocean with cat stroking villain and venerable spy. The plot that's in motion is harnessing lasers and satellites high in the sky. I'm sorry, Dan. I'm gonna need you to repeat that. <laughs> You Lucy so much in the sky with diamonds are forever. Ten points. Well done. He goes to fight street <laughs> crime and he dresses like a bat. The new bad guy's a clown and he's looking for a chat. But when he comes home at dawn, recalls his parents are gone. His butler gives him a hug. <laughs> Well, hard Day's Dark Night. Babe. Warren got it. There hard Day's go. Dark Night. That is but correct. Superheroes. I know. I couldn't remember the name of the Batman movie. <laughs> All right. How dare you? Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm very embarrassed. And uh, as you might note, I don't think I've done anything conceivable. <laughs> that, is, that is some dedication to the bit right there. And I think you can really hear the regret in your voice <laughs> as you sing those lines. Really, you can hear I'm the regret it. in the room the whole time. Oh, man. It hangs oh. heavy over the oh, entire man. panel. I am crying over here. That that was really didn't need to be reminded of that. Uh, well, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I guess to round it all out, my last pick, which I'm guessing may have come up somewhere else, Total Party Kill 154, the time uh, I, as Amlal, got to trade my soul to attack a god. Uh, lots of fun. <laughs> the high point in our Dark Sun campaign, and I believe quite the cliffhanger. Yes, mm-hmm. indeed. That was a good one. That is what I have on my list. That's yes. uh, great stuff. Great stuff, Dan. Uh, and I got to play that clip of you singing oh my God. Uh, many times. I, mean, I will be killing Adam Rakunis later. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't use all the songs, only most of them. Erica, do you have any favorite things from this year? Can I pick the other songs that oh, Dan no. sang? No, no. <laughs> Uh. Okay. Okay. Fair. Um, well, I created an entirely new incomparable network podcast uh, this year in 2018. Uh, that's when I started Erp Chirp. So between yeah. June 2nd and July 17th, I watched and podcasted about two entire seasons of Winona Erp, which was just in time to start season three uh, and watch along with that weekly. And we even released our first uh, watch along commentary track of the Christmas episode just in time for the holidays here, which I think is my first watch along commentary on the incomparable network. So that was that's an exciting milestone. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love doing that show because Winona Earp is shot in Alberta. So a big part of the podcast is watching out for Canadianisms or lack thereof and then pointing them out to our listeners. Like we will never get over that episode that had a rat in it in Alberta. No, I'm sorry. Sorry. She's still over it. <laughs> 2018 also saw the advent of Recently Read, which is a, a podcast that I have quite enjoyed both listening to and recording for uh, recording for it. Um, it's nice to have a place to talk about books, even if it's just kind of talking to myself. Uh, it actually has inspired me to read probably more than I would have this year. And I even posted a special Christmas episode just before we started recording tonight. So, yay. Um I think Lazy Doctor Who felt extra lazy this year, for which I do not apologize because it's in the title, people. Um, and Stephen and I completed our run through The Prisoner within The Village earlier this year. Uh, I just love that show so much. We actually did a main show episode about The Prisoner, uh, which was fun yeah. and divisive, uh, as most discussions about The Prisoner <laughs> yeah. tend to be. It's only right. <laughs> only fitting. Yep. Beginner's Puck, lots of hockey talk. That was fun. Uh, I think maybe the most ridiculous thing of the year was our members-only special in which we made my Verity co-host Liz Miles, who you might know from some game show episodes, uh, watch a hockey movie, (laughs) which was delightfully evil. (laughs) Um, Ice hockey. Ice hockey. They don't even call hockey hockey over there. (laughs) No, they don't. 
she was so lost. But she became like the biggest Mighty Ducks apologist. So it was ridiculous. <laughs> um, then the game show. Game show is always really fun. I think my favorite random pursuit ever was another live in person recording. And that was episode 81. The ghost has spoken. Oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. We got to do it in person in a hotel room at the Gallifrey One Doctor Who convention. And perhaps more importantly, Deb Stanish and Liz Miles had already been working on some Prosecco and started in like epic mid-podcast battle over cheese and crackers. Uh, Deb still to this day talks about how I yelled at her not to take a bite of her crackers before she was going to talk. So it lives on in infamy. <laughs> it was a pretty gentle yell. I just listened to that episode again. Oh, did I- you? <laughs> I think maybe she was she, just being a little touchy. I think, well, she's just building it up, I think, uh, in her Could in be. her memory. She's overrating mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yes, she was it? also the, t- the titular mm, ghost. Yes, because she wouldn't talk into the microphone, and so she became a ghost <laughs> who would occasionally sort of just fade away and then come back. <laughs> yeah. uh, yep. Well, that's what happens when you mix live recording and Prosecco, yep. I guess. <laughs> now we've For Magic. Sure. Yep. Uh, UK trivia is always a delight as well, even though I'm like always embarrassed by my lack of quote unquote common knowledge. So uh, that was episodes 80. The answer is always Michael George and 91, <laughs> a squashed BG. Oh, boy. Good times. Oh, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, game show episode 94, a penguin knows to respect a gun was uh, <laughs> when we played Fiasco. Uh, yeah, that line came from Dan. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> And uh, also, Brian's character had a truly epic moment with some penguin eggs that nobody saw coming, and the gasps of sheer horror were a thing I think I will never forget. That was amazing. I have a uh, I have a listener clip that we could play here too, which is from listener Beth. Who, oh, listener Beth, yeah, who really liked the fact that Tony tried very hard to make sure you really knew what it sounded like if you were surrounded by penguins, and it sounded a little like this. Damn it! Penguins have sharp beaks! (laughs) 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 Give me the damn egg! (laughs) 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 So. Wow. Yeah. That was, that was something. A little penguin, penguin emulation there. Thanks, Tony. It sounds like somebody's punching Burgess Meredith. <laughs> it's sort of cool. And that someone right, would Dan. be Batman, played by Dan, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what happens. Uh, um, TPK is consistently awesome, but uh, this year the events of episode 133, Got Cank Milk, actually inspired Jason to purchase the domain cankmilk.com <laughs> during while the episode. We were recording. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, you yep. want to you want to snap that up before somebody sits on that. <laughs> that's that's going to be very valuable someday. Yeah, you don't want to get too expensive. Uh, also, uh, and I'm sorry if you're way behind on TPK. I'm going to spoil some stuff a little bit, but I had my first two character deaths this year, uh, or on episodes at least that were released this year. Um, yeah, I was in uh, Gamma World, which is episodes 140 to 150, and that was that was one of the most surprisingly delightful RPG experiences I have ever had. That's the, sheer wackiness of that system really kind of took the pressure off for any kind of actual success. So it was just 100% fun 100% of the time. Even when the dreaded murderous Iron King revealed himself for the final battle, Jason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How'd I do on that? How'd I, I, oh, I killed all of you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
total success. Well, there was actually a total party kill. It was. It really was. Like, really, really. That was the end. Finally, we live up to it. And why are we continuing to broadcast after No, we succeeded. We did it, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, no, we're all done. Um, I think uh, episode 151, Hello from the Tragic Cavern, may be my favorite TPK title ever. Uh, And that's that's a big winner. Because they're always great. Um, Yeah, that was after my other character, Death. Mm-hmm. I just got to point out you didn't die in my campaign. That's all. <laughs> no, but your character is the one that got me killed. Uh, you know, that's an interesting reading of it. <laughs> <laughs> interesting equaling true. Yeah, well, yeah, probably true. Probably, probably. Um, I was not on the Shocktober episodes this year, which was 155 through 159, but I did watch the entire live stream as it happened and just spent the day guffawing mightily. It was great. So that was that was really fun. I appreciated the Scooby-Doo theme. Nice work, guys. Um, and Legally yes. distinct. <laughs> Legally. Yes. Right. It was Scooby-Doo. Yeah, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and uh, we did, as Dan just mentioned, return to another campaign that I have really enjoyed. I got to play my battle-hungry, orcading dwarven paladin Broldish again in the Dog and Pony Show campaign, which kicks off at episode 162. Our monk is missing. Uh, as a side note, that first episode is a prime example of the uh, the triumph of Watsonian story interpretation, oh, like boy. looking at something from within the narrative uh, fiction <laughs> over a doylist interpretation, as in looking at real world reasons for things like a character disappearing and not spending 45 minutes looking for <laughs> the monk who's just not playing the damn game anymore. You almost found Scott, though. Like if you just turned over <laughs> one more rock, Scott would have just popped on the call. Oh, good golly. That was that was the thing. Um, and of course, the, the main show, The Incomparable, had a bunch of great stuff. Dan already mentioned Lyrics Are For Losers, uh, episode 388. I could not be on that TV theme song draft, but it was super fun to listen to it. And I was also reminded of how I am neither as old as some panelists nor as young as others <laughs> because there were a lot of things in there I was just totally clueless about, but still fun. Episode 390, Ice Cream Headaches from the Future, is the main reason I watched the show Travelers, and I'm very glad I did. I love that show. I loved that discussion. uh, And I'm super excited to binge on season three as soon as I have time. Uh, Episode 391, You Stole My Lair, was the Doctor Who story draft. It was... It was every bit as fun and baffling as I expected. Some of my uh, some of my illustrious co-panelists have truly dreadful taste. Um, hey, <laughs> uh, well, they can't uh, all be the Rebos operation. Yeah. Here. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, she means she she means Liz. She's talking about Liz. Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, speaking of the Rebo's operation, that was one of the most fun parts was blowing Jason's mind by not picking that in the yeah, first round. I know. I was just assumed. I guess. I, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm sneaky. Uh, episode 398, apart from all the skiing, was our retrospective on Ursula K. Le Guin through a couple of her novels. That was fun, although definitely bittersweet. And I uh, already mentioned episode 399, We Endured It, You Adored It, about The Prisoner. It was a good time. And uh, it was re- really fascinating to revisit some Harlan Ellison short stories in episode 401. He uses his powers for evil, especially getting to see the reactions of some folks who had never read his works before, like Chip. Um, and uh, that episode also includes the moment where I completely break Lisa when I tell the story about how I met Neil Gaiman and had no earthly clue who he was. I've, I've heard Lisa break a lot of times, but that was... <laughs> 
<laughs> that was an epic one. Yeah, it was so notable that uh, Lister Brandon insisted that we include it. I actually met Neil Gaiman because of Harlan Ellison. I went to see Harlan Ellison speak at uh, when I was in college in Madison. And uh, Neil Gaiman was living in, Mad- in, uh, in Wisconsin at the time and had driven down to see it. I had no idea who Neil Gaiman was, but one of my roommates <gasps> loved him. So he introduced me to this, you know, he, he introduced me to this guy in like, you know, his leather jacket. And I was just like, hi, nice to meet you. And then I just completely ignored him and went back over to watching <gasps> Harlan Ellison. And that very night, that very night, my roommate set in my hands the first issue of The Sandman. Um, and my life has never been the same. Erica, I think you broke me. <laughs> Sorry, Lisa. <laughs> I've heard Lisa make a lot of noises on podcasts before, but that is some weird dinosaur stuff she's got going on. I mean, was that like the penguin noise that Tony made earlier? Sort of like turned up to 11? I don't know. Yeah, I feel wow. kind of weirdly proud of that of that moment. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever top that, honestly. Um, in in episode four fourteen, Credible Hulk, Jason somehow got me to rewatch one Hulk and sit through the other one. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, maybe maybe favorite isn't the right word for this episode, but it was it was a cathartic and interesting conversation. So you know there was that. That was also my only uh, entry into the summer of Marvel. The rest of it I just enjoyed from afar. So it was a good time. And I was on two rocket surgery episodes this year. Uh, the first one, 426, Up to the Puppies. Dan's already mentioned. Oh, Dan. Hello, Equilibrium. Boo. You're yeah. welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. That was as painful as I have come to expect rocket surgery movies to be. Uh, but the other one, 434, All Wormholes Go to Heaven, was about the black <laughs> hole. And I joined Anthony Johnston in thinking that film does not deserve to be saddled with that particular heading. It was just fun. All right. Yep. And finally, in episode 435, fun facts, we did a board game draft. We should do that again sometime, you guys. Mm, mm, Good idea. That's Mm -hmm. a good plan. Thanks. I don't know. Yep. Maybe. It's about time. (laughs) All right. Uh, Steve, do you have any favorites from the year? Nah. I think we should move on. Okay. Whoever's next. All right. Uh, I do do have some things. Even though this was a pretty dumb year, I managed to uh, cobble together a few favorite moments from the various shows. As usual, I went back and listened to pretty much everything from this year uh, that I was on and one or two other episodes as well. <laughs> so I have, uh, I have a few things prepared. Um, it's already been mentioned, but episode 388 lyrics are for losers. The theme show draft was a heck of a lot of fun, especially if you like lots and lots of terrible singing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think most of the sane folk among us were expecting two Disney afternoon themes to go in the first <laughs> round, but that's what they did. Um, although I did find it amusing, as I did my annual whirlwind tour through the year's episodes, that there are maybe half a dozen episodes it, in which DuckTales gets mentioned out of the blue for no mm. apparent reason. And in nearly every case, somebody immediately goes, oh, because you gotta. You have um, to. It's a lot. I, I do have a few favorite moments uh, interspersed throughout here. Um, one of them is from this episode. Right around 5930, uh, we launch a Find the First Urkel reference contest. And then we instantly unlaunch it because a listener <laughs> found it before the episode was even edited. Mm-hmm. So that was entertaining. Um Quick mention to a rocket surgery. This is episode 395, Joe DiMaggio of the Slide Rule, <laughs> in which we covered The Cosmic Man, which is our annual entry in our movies starring portions of John Carradine <laughs> Film Festival. <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible movie, but somehow when Carradine's involved, it, it works out somehow. And uh, 
we had a very lively and entertaining discussion about that. This might be a good time to play the clip requested by listener Drew, which is uh, various Philip Michael's interpretations of the acting of John Carradine. And it goes a little something like this. Not the creepiest line in that scene, my friend. The boy has given me much pleasure. I have played your rock'em sock'em robots. Cosmic Man can't go back to jail. He won't go back to jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wow. It was pretty much uh, that. That was that was, I was, that say, was it. It yeah. sounds like Dwight Eisenhower. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how much it sounds like Ike. Uncanny. Weird. Um, it's already been mentioned again, but this is uh, episode 411, In the Pay of Big Ultravox. Again, that's our 80s album draft. Um, the 80s is kind of a musical sweet spot for a bunch of us old fogies. And you can tell because the enthusiasm level is extremely high in this episode. Um, so much so that you can't even fault the other panelists for having really terrible taste in music. But that was a lot of fun. I like our album drafts. Hopefully we'll do another one next year. Um, oh, and one more Mothership episode, episode 428, Sour and Smells Like Feet. This was our second beer episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, Jesse Friedman once again sending us beers to taste, although he seems weirdly focused on making us drink beers that the majority of us are going to hate. <laughs> yeah. It's his revenge, really. Yeah. I don't yeah, really get that. A, but this is a long game there. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. It's because, like, he deliberately buys things that I guess he th- he thinks are going to challenge us, or I yeah, don't know what the yeah, story I think, is. There. I think that's probably it. You know, one of the things about uh, all these episode titles is I come up with them in complete solitude, usually, and I make the decision, and then I wait until the very end of the year, at which point people read them aloud, and I think, oh, yeah, that was pretty good, or mm, I don't know about that one. <laughs> but it's too late now. It's been a whole year that the stupid title has been out there. But Sour and Smells Like Feet, that's a pretty good that's title. That's a winner. And I particularly like the moment that comes at uh, 3719, where we are drinking the very heavy, very high alcohol, oppressively sweet coconut macaroon stout. And Jason announces that it reminds him of Christmas, but a sad Christmas, <laughs> which I think would have also been a very good episode title. <laughs> <laughs> also, just a quick note to any listeners out there who own or rep for a brewery, if you're willing to send us all beer, you can enjoy the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to have us say your beer smells like feet or tastes like sad Christmas. So hop on that. Yep. Yep. We're I available. see what you did there. I see what you did there. Hop on that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ah, I'm just hoping for a whiskey distillery to uh, to jump on board. Mm. I'll host do? that one, Jason. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, I was going to say somebody else will have to host it because I'm not going to. I'm not going to be on that one. But that's fine. Mm. That's fine. We can do that. I feel like we. I feel like we get drunker a lot faster. <laughs> Erica, if you hosted that episode, you that break the tie, or, uh, and you'd go over Dan again. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ooh. if she does it in the next what ten days, well, minutes, I mean, yep. for twenty maybe for for twenty nineteen. I don't know. Moving on to uh, some of the other stuff that we did. Um, there weren't a lot of these this year, but uh, I really enjoyed Radio Theater episode 2.4, A Mysterious Place Filled with Wonders, which was uh, Full Fathom 5. Oh, yeah. That's, a, that's I think it might be my single favorite radio episode we've done. The script is great. The performances are good, uh, excepting maybe one. The <laughs> editing is phenomenal it on is. that one. It is. Isn't the editing of that one good? Anyway. It's really, really, really good. <laughs> and I helped. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good one. If you if you haven't uh, listened to that or you just haven't listened in a while, go back. Enjoy it again. It's still good. Uh, moving on to Game Show, which I was on a lot more than uh, some of the other shows here. So mm-hmm. there's a lot more moments here. Um, <laughs> Game Show 78, which was an inconceivable episode called There Are No Hamburgers in the Phantom Zone. <laughs> <laughs> 
I actually already mentioned this last, last year. year. Um, yeah, we recorded this, was... this in 2017, but it was released in 2018. Oh. Yes, but uh. the bootleg had been released to our listeners Indeed. at that point. So I was able to so bring you're double up... dipping here, right? I, mm. No, I'm going to pick a different, a different thing this time. Last year, I mentioned the, um, the epic moment wherein... Uh, Jason put scorekeeper Lex through the ringer for being too chintzy with points. <laughs> and editor Dan through the ringer because he had to keep bleeping all the words I was saying. <laughs> Which was great. Once don't again, this... why don't I do this show anymore? <laughs> That's a good question. Maybe you should write a song about it. There's nothing better than when Jason breaks and breaks down <laughs> and curses. It's, there's nothing better. It's pretty good. Although, the reason I, I mentioned this episode this time is because it is the source of this year's underappreciated joke. Ooh. Yeah, mm. 36 minutes and 32 seconds. Uh, Liz says... Bloody heck, that's annoying. That's Bloody annoying. heck. Don't forget what Jason said earlier. Which makes Lex chuckle because Jason has already unleashed <laughs> a litany of obscenities earlier in the episode. <laughs> And very shortly after that, Liz says the word helicopter, which prompts Lex to reply. And also, no, that was it. That was it. The helicopter. The helicopter. I don't remember a helicopter. I mean, that's, that's a specific thingamajiggery. I think you that's, mean a helicopter. <laughs> which didn't get a lot of laughs at the time, but I chuckled. Now, Steve, so it, you, yes. you're going to be really happy to know that listener Anne nominated somebody for underappreciated joke of the year, too. Is that right? And that person... Is you what for this total party kill underappreciated joke? Oh boy, because pretty much everybody that we've experienced wants to, to transport us to some plane or another. And as far as I'm concerned, you ain't putting me on no plane, cannibal. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> no, nobody laughed at that, Steve. But it's a pretty good joke. It is pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it's. I feel right. like I would have laughed at it if I'd heard it. Maybe I missed yeah, it. Yeah, I think I uncovered that one in in editing. Yeah, mm. I don't think it holds a candle to helicopter. But thanks anyway. <laughs> Um, already mentioned again, Game Show 81, The Ghost is Spoken. Again, this was a random pursuit live from Galley. I think that might be the funniest episode we recorded all year. Uh, even though Jason clearly cheated somehow, and I haven't worked out how yet. <laughs> the come from behind victory yeah. where he got like 10 answers right in a row in the final yeah, round. I gave the high sign to Eric suspicious. and said, give me the easy ones now. And then we yeah. were over. <laughs> yep. And you got them. Those are some pretty easy ones. <laughs> Another favorite moment from Game Show 82, it's Meatloaf Day, oh boy. which was us uh, playing Z-Ward, which was a Parsley game that Tony hosted. Uh, <laughs> specifically, moment at 5920, in which Tony mispronounces the word panel as planel, <laughs> and then the rest of us proceed to make fun of him about it for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I, I totally forgotten about that. Yeah. We do go on a bit. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. I also liked Game Show 88, Pantheon of Muppets. That was a Feuding Families episode. Mainly, I just wanted to bring it up because it featured the category, Name Something Cool Cat Likes, which... <laughs> <laughs> Although, the fact that the survey did not say Cool Cat likes to love a you does mark the point mm -hmm. where I fell out of love with our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And where the rest of your team fell out of love with you. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Game Show 91, a squashed BG. This is another favorite moment. This is at 834, and this, I think, is our most British moment of the year. Uh, the question to, uh, to Metric Stephen Shapansky is... Um, what rose by 40 pence to four pounds and 10 pence in September 2001? Uh, and Stephen doesn't know the answer to that, so he just throws out the answer bread. And Anthony, after a pause and with palpable outrage, responds, four pounds and 10? 
<laughs> As if anybody knows what that means in terms of real money. <laughs> but he's so he's so amazed and and just unhinged about it. It's great. <laughs> anyway, I enjoy it. Uh, oh, I wanted to mention Game Show 100, John Lemon. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. In, oh, in, man. in which we learn that what we always suspected is true. Having 12 people on a podcast is a bad it's idea. A bad, bad idea. <laughs> and Kathy than Campbell looked, learned an even looks, more important it? lesson, which is that you should never volunteer for anything. Nope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Never yep. suggest yourself. Never. No. Bad idea. Yeah. Stay in the background. It, it was uh, it was a lot of craziness. Although I think after editing, which probably took a very very long time, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we ended up with a very funny episode there, which is not surprising since at any given moment in that recording session, at least eight people are making quote <laughs> jokes yeah. simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that means that a few of them are actually going to be funny mm-hmm. by sheer law of averages. Yeah, it's the MST3K approach, I think. It's just math. Yeah. yeah. Just throw them all up there and, and it'll, some of them will hit. Sure. Um, and I wanted to mention Low Definition because that's the one I host. Um, it was fun again this year, although we only did three episodes, which is ridiculous. Indeed. We will try to do more next year. Um, but we did have a couple of shocking and unprecedented moments, uh, specifically the fact that Brian Hamilton finally won on like his 400th attempt. <laughs> And the fact that Tiff Arment won on her 401st attempt. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was an epic win for the ages. It really was. But both of them were very undignified in victory, I should point out. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it takes don't away say. from it a little bit. Especially, here, here is, if you would like to hear Tiff's victory lap, this was recommended to us by, oh, nice. uh, let's see, which, which listener, uh, this is listener Simon, who said oh, uh, that, that time when Tiff finally won. Here it is. And it is, in fact, Tiff's answer. Oh, so, five no points to Tiff for that. You know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. We have a winner. Oh, my gosh! No way! <laughs> I got up and I'm jumping! Tiffany Arman has won low definition 17 with 20 Yay, points. Tiff. Wow. I'm so happy for you. Thank you, Steve. Holy mackerel. <laughs> So many years. It's, it's about time. Wait, <laughs> hey, so Tiff, have you never won? No, I've never this won. Is a no <laughs> she has now and in grand form. Wow. Wow. There you nailed is. it. This it's a definition. I know we can't title it this, but can we please just think about the idea of having this one called The One Where Tiff Wins? <laughs> <laughs> this will always be The One Where Tiff Wins in my heart. Oh. I feel so good. There you go. She was so pleased she went out and bought herself a plaque to commemorate the moment. And I'm not kidding about that. <laughs> yep, that's true. Um, I didn't have a chance to listen to all the Total Party Kills, so I didn't uh, I didn't have any moments from that. Although I'm pretty sure that we had some fun. We, uh, yeah, I think so. We, we have fun. In general, I think um, the Shocktober episodes this year were pretty great and uh, and well worth a listen if you haven't heard it. Um it's 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 loopy. The fact that we have the framework of the uh, the not Scooby Doo uh, backing is, uh, I think, it really adds mm-hmm. kind of a fun spin to the whole thing, and uh, for sure, really enjoyed that. Yeah, probably the best part was uh, when a certain cat drank a certain potion off of a certain <laughs> shelf in in like uh, minute five. You think? Yep, <laughs> and almost died. I I think maybe the listeners 
Agree. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm trying a sip of this, uh, what's in this bottle back here on the bar. Fluffy took a sip of a uh, of one of those bottles, huh? Could you give me a constitution saving throw? <laughs> I'm not swallowing it, by the way. It's just checking for mouthfeel oh, and consistency <laughs> and viscosity and that sort of thing. Oh, that's, uh, that was some quick backpedaling there, Steve. <laughs> uh, do I still need to make a saving throw? <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's a 19. Oh, so very close. <laughs> uh, and Freda went to investigate the ghost, leaving Fluffy unwisely alone <laughs> at the bar. Well, how's it taste? Uh, disgusting. It has been there oh. for an, undisgu- an unknown amount of time. Yeah, I want to be clear. This is not poison. This became poison put by sitting out. Mm. I find even the disgusting tastes intriguing, though. Yep. All right. Uh, you're going to take 28 points of poison damage. What? Yeah, it's real bad, Steve. It's real did bad. Did you say 28? I did. 28. Oh 28? And now we set Shark-tober. expectations for Shark-tober. <laughs> This is not a great place for a cat who likes to try things. <laughs> if, if only there were some sort of saying about what happens to cats who are curious. I was going to say, you, t- you turn the, the, the label of the bottle and it says, all curiosity on yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. It says, a delicious taste for humans, a poisonous to cats. Why do we keep this around? <laughs> Yeah. Mm. Good oh, job, boy. Steve. Way to play the game. Yeah. That's listener Noah sent yep. that one in. Thank you, listener I Noah. I did, uh, after some begging, get an inspiration uh, die for that, so at mm-hmm. least I got that from it. <laughs> Role-playing! <laughs> I think my favorite part was then, uh, later on Twitter, when the fellow who wrote the game tweeted, yeah. I never thought anyone would actually, <laughs> actually drink the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Role-playing! That was Thank like you. The, the, that was like the least expected move, I think, in a, in a game that is full of unexpected moves. Yeah. Well, yep. in my in in my defense, I huh. was only trying to taste the stuff. I was not intending to drink it, but uh, you know, what the hell? In for a penny, in for a pound, Steve. Why not? <laughs> sure. Um, that does it for favorite episodes and moments. I did want to mention one other thing, which might be the funniest thing that I experienced this year, and that was when I uh, went into our our incomparable Slack and uh, and and added a picture of Caillou. <laughs> <laughs> and then triggered it to appear when uh, when someone typed the word Canada. <laughs> that happens a lot more often than you might think. I had no idea that uh, that Erica had a some sort of a trigger to notify her every time somebody mentions Canada in the Slack. So she came in saying, "I know Steve typed Canada at some point last night, and a picture of Caillou appeared, and she absolutely lost her stuff." <laughs> yeah, and it was it was <sighs> so funny. I laughed and laughed. I'm really happy for you, Steve. (laughs) Really. Oh, that little son of a... I hate that guy. He is a national source of shame for Canada. Yeah, yeah. Canadians will tell you they're sorry for just about anything, but when it comes to Caillou, I think they have a point. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Oh, wait a minute. There is just one last clip. Uh Uh-oh. I forgot about this one. This is from... Let's see. Oh, well, we're all out of time. (laughs) Oh, okay. Good night, everybody. Uh, this is from uh, episode 387, Good Job Jerks. That's uh, that's actually last year's clip show episode. Huh. Jason, hey, you may recall that uh, that I asked you to play the clip from the previous year's clip show 
of you taking out your garbage. Uh-huh. And, uh, and you may also recall that we discussed some clear inefficiencies in the amount of time it takes you to deal with your recyclables. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've had all year now to think about it. And I, I would like to go over that clip again. I've come up with some strategies uh, vis-a-vis maximizing your recyclable sorting algorithm. Oh, good. And improving the efficiency of your disposal technique. Um, I've also taken the liberty of bringing up a satellite map of your house. I think if you <laughs> listen again, I'll be able to identify an optimized route that uh, that might save you some man hours week to week. So, uh, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and hear that clip again. Uh, all right. This actually isn't so much a favorite moment as I just have some questions about it. <laughs> and uh, it's actually at the end of the episode, Jason takes out his recycling. I'm going to take out the recycling. Hey, Overcast, play last year's clip show. It's interesting that you start a, a show for the the... Very brief experience of taking the recycling out. You don't know how far the recycling goes. <laughs> I, say, I say brief, but this goes on for a long time. Do they make you sort your recyclables alphabetically in Marin? Do you like it like, just because you wanted to heckle it while it happened? Because <laughs> I like yeah. this new model. Seriously, though, there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot of recycling going on here. I Steve thought maybe this like, was get with get with the single streamer bus, Jason. Well, it's also he's having to separate out all the stuff that nobody I else. I gotta take did. it out into the side yard, and then I gotta open the gate, and I gotta roll it across the front uh, lawn and put it in the street. So you're saying some people. People thought the episode was over and didn't listen to all of this? It's true. Are you taking out the recycling right now? I thought maybe this was the day after the beer episode, but I'm not hearing any bottles and cans here. Oh! Ah. (laughs) I will defeat the incomparable and they will never draft me again! Oh, that's weird. Is that is that your neighbor? Uh, no, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's still very strange. Hey, you know, I do I do want to share my recycling concepts with you. Okay. But, um, something <laughs> something seems odd about that about that clip. I wonder. Could we? Do you do you have the ability to to, to let us hear a version of that clip, but without the panelist commentary over the top? Oh, sure. Yeah. Let okay. me, let's see what I got here. Uh, I'm gonna take out the recycling. Hey, Overcast, play last year's clip show. Oh. Oh, boy. Uh, Jason, Jason, can you stop the clip? Sure. Can you... Oh boy, I've got a bad feeling about this. Can you can you isolate the podcast audio you're listening to in that clip? Uh, yeah, I can do that. Okay, great. And I want you to do that, and then also zoom and enhance. Oh, zoom and enhance. All right. Let me. I think I can do that. That's like two buttons here. Let me see. Okay. Let's see. Because I, I got to do the clip thing, which is that, and then I got to do the yeah. zoom and enhance thing, which is that. Steve picks Ben picking no. Dan picking <laughs> Steve picking Lori Jason Chat picking Steve picking Skeletor. My second favorite moment of 2014 was when listener Etienne picked me in the 2013 clip show, picking me in the 2012 clip show, picking listeners Lori, Janice, and Chad in the 2011 clip show, picking me, picking Skeletor in the TV fantasy character draft. What's your number one pick, Steve? My favorite moment of 2014 is listener Ben picking listener Etienne, picking me, picking uh, listeners Lori, Janice, and Chad, picking me, picking Skeletor. Hi, this is Ben from Somerville, Massachusetts. My favorite moment on the incomparable 
podcast was from episode 200, where a listener, Etienne, picked Steve Lutz from the 2013 <laughs> recap episode, picking Steve Lutz picking from the 2012 recap episode, listeners picking Steve Lutz picking from the television character draft episode, Keep going. Skeletor. Hi, oh, no. it's listener Etienne again. We really have to listen to him? I'm in oh. fact picking Steve Lutz from the 2013 recap episode, picking himself, picking from the 2012 recap episode, picking himself in the 2011 recap episode, drafting Skeletor in episode 58. It's Skeletor all the way down. Oh, bless you. This is an enabler. One of those clips stands above all the rest. It does, really. And that is why I hereby pick the clip in which I picked the clip in which I picked Skeletor in our 2011 TV fantasy draft. I'm going to pick the part in the 2011 clip show episode where we played the Skeletor clip. My goal is to create a recursive yeah, a clip loop that eventually takes over the entire annual clip show podcast. Listener Lori, she says the TV character draft made her laugh from beginning to end. So I guess my favorite moment, Steve, was the drafting of Skeletor. Yes. Listener Chad wrote in simply saying, Skeletor! Yes. Well, I'm going to go with one then that's uh, that's close to my heart for various reasons. And uh, I know somebody's just raring to pick him, so I better grab him now. I'm going to pick, uh, pick Skeletor from the Masters <laughs> of the Universe cartoon series. <laughs> Sorry, I did not see that coming. Are we back to reality yet? Yeah, hold on. I can't actually tell when the clips are over. Skeletor all the way down, he says there. That's the end oh of the clip. Oh my god. And that's the end of the clip of the clip of the clip of the clip. What did you do, Steve? What have you done? Wait, what, well, hold on, what hold happened? on. Is it 2018? <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god, I'm the confused. ghost got it all done in one night. Oh my wow. god. Wow, what I gosh, one would have thought you could have like stopped that before we had to hear the whole thing, but I guess maybe <laughs> I don't Skeletor know how this took works. charge of your computer. Oh my god. Very complicated. It was fine until I zoomed in and enhanced. <laughs> Never zoom and enhance, Jason. <laughs> Oh, my God. For the, huh. for the rest well, of time, I have to listen to myself from 2010 laughing hysterically yeah. at Steve. <laughs> I know. After all this time, Dan's still surprised still every year. Did, he never sees it coming. Well, yep. Never. I guess no matter what we do, we're going to have to listen to that clip every year, so we might as well lean into it. I suppose mm. so. Mm. I suppose it's so. Zoom and enhance. Well, I hope somebody enjoyed that, because uh, we'll be hearing that again <laughs> next year. Yeah. I can picture all of you looking at your phones and... Uh, <laughs> You know, maybe writing the first chapter of your novel. First two chapters. Yeah, I think that's about <laughs> it, this Jason. Point. All right. I think, uh, I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, obviously, we're doomed now. Yeah. It's going to so, happen. Uh, that's that's what fine. What do you mean now? The, <laughs> the good news is uh, uh, Chip gets to follow that. Hi, Chip. What, uh, what do you have for us? Why do you hate me? <laughs> <laughs> you should have been on more episodes, More episodes Chip, than Steve. Higher. That's the goal. Oh, yeah. God. Uh, so yeah, I have to follow Steve Lutz again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's a little smelly back there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Sorry. I'll just breeze through this because uh, how can anybody top that? I can't. So uh, I will mention that I adore episodes of The Incomparable, where in which uh, strife is caused. So <laughs> I, you instigator. Uh, so uh, definitely big props to the beer episode and to <laughs> rocket surgery for the black hole, in which people were highly offended at each other and <laughs> each other's offend. Uh, opinions about beer and bad movies um yes i said it mm-hmm. yeah uh, you what? said it you said beer <laughs> <laughs> 
The other thing that I love about the this incomparable family of ours is when you get me into stuff that I uh, hadn't gotten into before. So many, many thanks for the Harlan Ellison episode. You, you were right, Erica. It was it it, it it was great to finally read stuff that I'd been reading about for years. And also for the old Reverse Lucifer episode three ninety three, the Good Place. I got to talk about it. I binged Good Place season one because I was finally sick and tired of hearing you all say how good it was. And then somebody spoiled the twist at the end and I was like sold for life. Uh, So that was awesomeness. Um, Summer of Marvel. Uh, we had such universal praise for it from the listeners uh, by the end uh, about how, how, <laughs> how much they enjoyed hearing uh, about every Marvel movie. I uh, I loved it, um, and uh, that also was the Marvel movies this year was also an opportunity for some new voices on the network. It was uh, great hearing Cicero Holmes for the first time. Um, he was on the Black Panther one and uh, the Ant Man one with me, and um, he, he great, great, to, great to hear him on those episodes. Um, some of us are way into the Voltron Legendary Defender series on Netflix more than others, and. <laughs> One Anthony Johnston joined us for the season seven review. He kept hearing us talking about it on the um, on our Slack and binge watched the whole damn thing in like three days and was taken with it. And the TV episode uh, that reviews that um, his delight in this in this goofy cartoon that I had no expectation he would be delighted by is uh, loads. It's loads of fun. He's one of he's one of my favorites. And. 2001 and 2010 back to back um were uh were fu- great fun to listen to with completely different casts which was just hilarious uh I- i'm pretty sure that some of the 20 2001 folks do not believe that 2010 exists right indeed that's the impression um, i got that's the impression that i get and um yeah it's it's, it's been it, it was a good season of uh it was a good year of shows on the incomparable and it was lovely to have the time to be more involved in him i love you guys oh that's the big hug group part hug. group hug the um so the summer of- oh, oh oh i'm oh, yeah. so sorry i missed one the childhood canon series oh yeah that was great that's good I totally there. missed being on that. The the thing about the Summer of Marvel. So here's the thing. Um, oh, is this the thing? It, it, there's a thing? It, uh, no, I'm just explaining that uh, sometimes I need a summer vacation too. And one of the things I need a vacation from is scheduling episodes of The Incomparable and coming up with ideas for new episodes. Because sometimes that leads to me, me to, uh, you know, schedule a board game draft before realizing we already did one. So <laughs> the Summer of Marvel was great in that I needed to not really do a whole lot of work to schedule those, and that was nice. So, and we got to we got to knock them. We, there were a bunch of old Marvel movies we hadn't talked about, so we got to talk about them. And I got a little summer vacation, and I liked it better than that uh, superhero spectacular thing we did the year two years before. So there <laughs> you go. Beta Ray Bill was robbed. That's yeah, true. That's true. <laughs> um, 
I've got a few. I just want to mention the, uh, I enjoyed this year all of the different uh, ways that we went probably too far off our format, because I like it when we do that. So the board game draft too, as I mentioned, sort of, you know, <laughs> but uh, uh, the film score draft, the, the, the music one. So film scores, TV theme songs and 80s albums, the childhood canon episodes. Uh, we also did episodes about beer and Thanksgiving dinner this year (laughs) that was one of the best titles ever for the thanksgiving dinner one uh you like garbage (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah you know the irate philip michaels um the uh and of course episode 400 where we uh did some of our nonsense that we do every hundred weeks basically when there's a a hundredth episode so i guess 500 is coming yeah uh the the navel gazing uh episodes those are always entertaining everybody (laughs) loves those uh before i move on i've got a bunch of clips to at the request of listeners um dan you didn't mention the fact that you and lex did a new season of not playing so you should mention that did not and i want to mention that um we did james bond this year because lex had not seen pretty much any james bond movies hard as it was to believe has lex seen anything uh weirdly yes but they're just not things that other people watch i guess i don't know he has terrible <laughs> taste i think Story is the short answer out. uh but uh what was delightful about this in in general uh besides our our usual shenanigans uh was a moment this is a little off book but uh a moment that is not actually in one of the episodes that i want to call out as a behind the scenes moment in episode 4.2 on her majesty's secret service um lex falls asleep during our commentary track (laughs) what Uh, that's a bit of a commentary in itself really and Uh says something that he then wakes up like 30 seconds later and it's like i don't know what i just said i've not been able to figure out exactly (laughs) what what line this is because everything seems kind of intelligible uh better yet we then paused recording the episode because he was falling asleep and the second part of the commentary track for that episode is actually recorded not only at a different time but in a different location because we're both in my house. <laughs> Whoa. So you can monitor him so he doesn't drift off again? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I can elbow him every time. I'm not sure anybody actually knows that because I don't think we talk about it on the episode or I may have edited out that part. So uh, that's a, an unorthodox pick, I mm-hmm. realized. But uh, it is a moment that sticks out to me for this year because it was very, very bizarre and yet in keeping with that show. Also, we learned that James Bond movies, by and large, don't age very very well uh in this in this day and age so you know we learned that together though that's good at least you did it with a friend except when he was sleeping i did (laughs) um i have from listeners there before we get to the clips there were a few sort of general comments uh listener scott said uh i enjoyed learning how many people are locked up by their families so that secrets are not leaked it made me feel better about keeping certain members of my family locked in our dungeon around the holidays (laughs) for our thanksgiving episode where it turns out that kathy is not allowed to discover anything that about how her parents make thanksgiving dinner it's a defensive strategy. Uh, listener Kate liked episode 100. Should I be on the phone to some government agency at this point? Just <laughs> we've already made the calls. It's fine. Too late. Okay. Listener Good. Kate likes uh, game show episode 100, the whole thing. Kathy did an amazing job with all the rounds, and there are so many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is all the things that sum up the game show and a perfect way to celebrate its 100th episode. Uh, 
listener Spencer said, I love game show 89. It's a game of fiasco in which Monty has his character make repeated references to the Bible. The first one makes sense, but as the game goes on, Monty increasingly stretches to fit them in. Uh, it's funny because of the increasing absurdity of the situation, especially Monty's commitment to the gag, despite his self-awareness of just how far he's stretching. That was good. He just keeps on saying that was in the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, so those are some good moments. Now, I, um, I've got a bunch of clips. Does anybody really know what's in the Bible? Oh, who knows? Um, (laughs) maybe scholars, who knows? Um, so I have one clip from Defocused, which is a podcast that Joe Steele and Dan Sturm do here on the, uh, on the Incomparable Network. This is with our friend, Micah Sargent, who is on many other episodes of Incomparable Shows this year. And, uh, this is listener Marcus who suggested this and it is uh, really interesting ideas from Micah Sargent. I think they deserve a wider airing, and here it is. Joe, I'll give you a second to think because I just thought of mine. <laughs> okay. My my sidekick is going to have a robotic ureter. You know, there are some companies that use high-pressure water to cut through stone and stuff. They will be able to speed up and pressurize their urine to like cut through bodies. They can literally mow people down because of their bionic ureter. So you're just. I really was not expecting that. You're in this like awkward face to face where everyone's pointing guns at each other, and your sidekick just unzips and whips it out, and and everyone's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What are you doing?" And then just bam, everyone is cut just, in half. Everybody's done, and that they can also use it to fly though because the pressure, you know, like the hoverboards they want to. Who have the little hoverboards in the lakes and stuff? Yes. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> It's just, it gets so unexpected. You you walk up with your sidekick and they're like checking for guns and all this stuff. They're not going to touch private parts. Okay, so how, they, how large is your sidekick's bladder? Because you wouldn't be able to fly for very long. Well, yeah, that's got to be bionic as are well. They, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, Micah. All right. Wow. Can wow. anyone that is, witness that and not be changed? That is a weird moment to hear your co-host from uh-huh. another show talking about. I think my favorite part of that is the also they use it to fly. Okay. <laughs> sure. I can hear Joe being broken. Oh, in Joe that. is gone in that. He is oh, yeah. he's ruined. It, it is over mm-hmm. for Joe there. All right. Um, <laughs> let's move on to the game show. Uh, our friend, listener, uh, TM Trains. Uh, oh, TM Trains. Who, who TM is Trains. a very nice fellow. Uh, he, he wrote in saying he loved this particular Antony moment involving uh, Liz and her contempt for technology. Okay, well, I'm going to go assume it's going to be something like quite techy. I don't know. Could, how you, could you say that again, but with just a little bit more dripping contempt? <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's not contempt. My earphones haven't melted That's yet. That's the Scottish something accent. About- <laughs> That's not contempt. It's the Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> she uses that excuse a lot. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh,. The listener Brian, who may or may not be Brian Hamilton, I'm not sure, but listener, he liked listener Brian, who may or may not be Brian. Hamilton. He liked that moment <laughs> where Brian had horrible technical difficulties that we all thought were hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got uh, one, and I'm, I said it. I'm okay with playing. I'm okay with playing. 
Let's play. All right. Okay. I'm right. sorry. Is Brian? Can I ask? Is Brian's voice yeah. distorted? Yeah, it's getting, yeah. getting yeah. deeper yeah. and Sky deeper. Tip. I'm sorry. Yes. He sounds like the murder guy from the, uh, the Jackbox game. Wait, it's really, serious? it's really oh, creepy. No. Your pitch, oh no! Your pitch Brian, down you're, a little you're bit, entering Brian. into a very special time in life, Brian. We need to have a little chill. God damn it! All right, I'm stopping this recording and starting a new one. In no, it's now. great. I love it. It's totally like playing a trivia murder party. Yeah, it really does feel like trivia murder party. Yeah, one of my super yeah. fun mini games. <laughs> oh, no. oh my god! That's Spin the loser wheel. Oh my god! Stop. Oh. It's not okay. Well, now I think we gotta wait for Brian to reemerge as a beautiful butterfly. Or <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> it's chrysalis of doom. <laughs> I'm fine now. Chrysalis of Doom is my new metal band. Oh my God. Well, you're going to be the perfect singer for it. Oh, so scary. So I had completely was... forgotten about oh, that. God. Oh, man. It was so good. The point where he says, let's play. probably Some the scariest part of that. It is terrifying. Wow. Here, I think this is a, um, this is a candidate for a, uh, a, an underappreciated joke. Uh, that was. I'll not, be the judge of that. All right, you, you, you indeed, <laughs> you will be. A uh, listener, Chris, says that uh, they they really didn't enjoyed this Broadway knowledge from, of course, Monty Ashley. Name a Spider-Man villain. So think about who was in the GameCube game and then work backwards. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, it's Julie Taymor. <laughs> <laughs> Reference acknowledged. That was, see, I like that. That's good. That's, that's a good joke. I, I didn't appreciate that joke. All right, that's so, fine. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it was underappreciated. That's pretty good. Because she directed Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. So she's a oh, Spider-Man villain. Okay, now I get villain. it. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, let's see. This, this we learned. Now, last year, I believe, we talked a little bit about Lizzing. Which is what happens mm. when you don't know the answer, and then you talk about it for two minutes, and then you get the answer absolutely right, as and Liz Miles the always does. Is about penises, probably <laughs> uh, sometimes. So this year we got something even more impressive, as pointed out by listener Beth. It is what we from Game Show eighty five, an inconceivable episode, guided listening. Brian Dharma, D H A R M A. Oh, okay, so that's lost. Um, hmm. uh, don't know what it stands for, team. They're an initiative in law. Um, hold on, hold on. I, I, um, it's, it's, okay, department, uh, department of heuristics, uh, and, and, heuristics and research, research, uh, research on, 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 oh god, I can't remember the last part. On um, Amy. It's been really long, and I was so mad about it forever. Okay, just um, let, let it let it run through your head. Department of Research <laughs> of Heuristics and Research on Department of Heuristics and Research on on This is like guided lizing. Ma What's the right vowel sound for the M? Department of Heuristics and Research on Manomena. Yeah, good job, Chip. 
<laughs> wow. Yep. You ruined the guided listening. Why do I allow this? <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but I like that. that. That is a window into Liz's mind there, right? Of like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe I believe Kelly got that totally correct too in the end. I, I think, think she did. I think she did, which is terrifying. It's guided listening. It's it's it just uh-huh. works. Liz should write a it's, self help book. It's is the transitive property of Liz. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this came from an unknown listener. It might have been Glenn. I don't oh, know. Unknown listener. But I will tell you, there are those moments where timing is everything. You know, you wish you come came up with the perfect joke or reference, but the time passes. And this is a case where, in the middle of game show episode eighty seven, uh, feuding families, Glenn got the timing and the reference exactly right. <laughs> Kathy, name a more prominent wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Gandalf. Show me Gandalf. Sixty votes. Number one answer. Yay! Right. Team pregnant and elsewhere. Would you like to play or pass? You shall not pass. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give it to Glenn. That was wow, the that exact was, right yeah, thing to say and the right place Here. to say it. Yep, that was that was impressive. Uh, I have one more game show clip. It's a recent one. It's episode one hundred and one. Oh um, oh Chip. I knew it. Uh, the 2018 <laughs> is going to be known forevermore, I think, as the year of the self-dunk. I've seen the Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh, I feel like uh, I'm going to go with what can you get a Wookiee for Christmas when he already owns a comb. <laughs> sure, why wouldn't you? Read the Wookiee one again. What can you get a Wookiee for Christmas when he already <laughs> owns a comb? See, I want to, I want to agree with Jason. But it wasn't Christmas. It was Life Day. Mm. <laughs> and damn me for knowing that. Damn me. Damn you. Did Chip ask to read that question just so he could dunk on me? <laughs> I think he might have. <laughs> was the correct question for love and understanding, goodwill to men, what precious gifts does he bring? Nah, that was the guy he dunked on, Jason. Dunk on me, <laughs> Chip! <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> wait, wait for it, Chip. Wait for it, because what if there were a novelty song post-Star Wars about a Wookiee and what you could get him for oh, Christmas? Oh, no! <laughs> yeah, what if, Jason? I- I'm wondering, if if you were to have to go shopping for a Wookiee for Christmas... <laughs> oh, my! Well, he doesn't need a tie clip. I know that for sure, because he never wears a tie. And he doesn't use shaving foam. Nope. It's hard. Oh. It's hard to get a gift for a Wookiee for Christmas. But you know what? Everybody needs a little love and understanding, goodwill to men, as you knew when you guessed correctly <laughs> that the musical question was, "What can you get a Wookiee for Christmas when he already owns a comb?" Oh my God! Wow. Uh, so I think that I think we all know the person who I dunked on was me. <laughs> it was a self dunking. I love it. Oh, so that's good stuff. all I have to say is I know that it is my role in life to serve as a warning to others <laughs> it's have a purpose. i just love that the way he enunciates it wasn't christmas it was life, life day, day. <laughs> oh boy yeah well the good news chip is that now 2018 is over so you never have to have that clip called back again unless during our best of 2019 episode i pick it as one of my favorite moments of oh my god we could have a recursive chip loop <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope. Uh, so uh, now, last year I pointed out that uh, the best way to get your uh, clip on the incomparable clip show is to actually make the clip yourself and send it to me. 
because then I do no work. And only one listener took me up on it this year. It is David Schaub, who wants to point out as we go into our Total Party Kill clips uh, about a, a funny moment in Shocktober. David Schaub here. My favorite moments of 2018 are in Shocktober, Total Party Kill episode 155, which culminates years of spooky TPK mansions with a strangely pronounced room just inside the front door, as Dan describes. You can see what looks like you know, a foyer. A foyer. I prepare my rapier in case I need to attack something in the foyer. <laughs> Guys, there's a foyer. <laughs> <laughs> or a vestibule, if you prefer. No, it's not. That's uh, different. I don't. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. No. no. Yeah. Later, Tony questions vestibules <laughs> while Annette stands by foyer. Uh, Where's the library? The library. Where's the library? Uh, it's on the first floor somewhere. It's uh right off the foyer or foyer. Some cats say. <laughs> we actually call it a vestibule. I don't think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I'm calling it a foyer. Finally, Micah breaks the fourth wall, but his words are lost. Scoop sits back on his haunches and says, Vestibule, noun, an antechamber, hall, or lobby next to the outer door of a building. Uh-oh, sounds like Scoop needs to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> so he even put the beeps in, David Schaub, so thank you for that. Wow, I did no work impressive. on that whatsoever. That's I didn't even type the detail. little beep buttons. Yeah. That's that's good. I like the part where the ghost doesn't think the vestibule is the right word. There, that's a good. That's a good touch for the ghost. Opinion well, he's a ghost. The worst. He, he's ghost a ghost. He's been dead for years. Who knows what new words have come along? All right, Steve. Uh, Lister Spencer had some issues with Uh-oh. your character in the Shocktober special for Total Party. Is Pro. that right? Uh, he appreciates. Uh, the the uh, Schrodinger's cat joke that you did, but thinks you maybe missed an opportunity. Let's hear the clip. We generally name ourselves about features of uh, of the landscape wherever we're from, and so my name is Vale, where the fluffy clouds kiss the shaggy grass. Is there a shortened version of that available? Yeah, that's that's a lot of words, so I usually go by Fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Does the uh, mm-hmm. does the tabaxi does it have to go in? Does it have a box? Is that I know cats and boxes are a big theme well, with Steve. Once so. you put it in there, it may or may not be in there. That's the thing. I mean, mm, that's mm. I'm I'm a rogue. I'm sneaky that way. So oh, you never know. Once I go in the box, am I still going to be in there when you open it up? So what uh, Spencer says is, Steve, your joke is good, but I'm disappointed that you reference it being a cat and being a rogue. But don't say Schrodinger's cat. Oh boy! Uh, oh, now we're getting now we're getting like pun corrections. Yeah, I know, right? I can't believe you didn't mention that. We love our listeners. Um, <laughs> I, I, I still regret that I didn't realize Dan was making a poop joke at the time, and I went cerebral. That is I so awkward. Oh, God, yep. that's that never happens. That yeah. was the true surprise. That was weird. Um, this is this is one of the dumber things that uh, that we did wow. in Total Party Kill, and I know, <laughs> yeah, that's saying something. And it really is, and uh, it involved Dan, of course. Huh. Why? My wife was taken down below by the cultists. <gasps> Good thing we down below inspectors from Tier <laughs> Wink. <laughs> Credits roll. <laughs> With that inexplicable uh, response, we end our session. Down below, inspectors, Dan. Down below. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it seemed like a moment. Everybody <laughs> Clearly was, it was. It was a moment. Everybody was baffled by what exactly went on there. Yeah. Well, when you reach a certain age in tier, you got to make that a point with the down below inspector. <laughs> so let's uh, let's go back to to Shocktober because there was a moment where I think 
based on listening to this clip that um it's it's possible that the players did something that neither the dms nor the author of the adventure ever expected to happen (laughs) all right it will basically attempt to bite and uh claw at this uh you know what i had a lot of things in mind for what might happen in in this adventure i did not know that the players would just watch an angel and and a a werewolf (laughs) murder each other it manages to claw, which is pretty impressive. Dan, Dan, the angel can get lycanthropy. There's a roll. It has to check to see. <laughs> oh, my God. No, we've made a were-angel. Now he's in trouble. the best song about this if I survive. Uh, I'm going to roll that just out of curiosity. <laughs> what have we done? What's its constitution check? Four? Plus four. So it's, it's, it's pretty resistant. Dan. <laughs> It failed. It failed. Didn't it? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, Dan, as you know, angels are resistant to lycanthropy. Nope. But not when they roll a three. <laughs> huh. Uh-huh. Huh. Uh-huh. Well, what have we done? <laughs> well, this is fun. <laughs> wow. That was, that was amazing. Turned an angel into a werewolf. Yeah. I, ca- I just can't believe that everybody wants to listen to the DMs just like having NPCs fight for like five yep. minutes. Well, well, that, they I don't weren't think we thought it through. No, mm. not really. I, I think Monty did. <laughs> you know, uh, this this makes me think. You know what the, this clip show needs is uh, celebratory air horns. And in fact, listener Blake agrees with us, which is why he suggested <laughs> this clip. Lissa Hawthorne is here. She's impatient as heck. Uh, I don't know if there's anything you want to learn from her about the manor. Doesn't seem to me like she knows much about manners. (laughs) 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 Can someone please prepare those air horns for next year? No. I have, there's like, the only, the only thing in my Dungeon Master Rider is no air horns. It's like, there's one rule, Micah. So, um, in Gamma World, there was a a brief appearance by a non-player character named Steve. He was a rabbit, uh, and he uh, was being instructed on who to attack by the mighty villain of the piece, the Iron King. And the Iron King had some important role-playing advice for Steve, as recommended by listener Blake. Uh, Steve, the hoop warrior, is over kind of by the platform by his boss, the Iron King. Steve, don't forget to mark them as your quarry! (laughs) Reference acknowledged! (laughs) Says Steve. Yep, you can... That's gonna it's gonna end up on times. my gravestone, yeah, isn't it? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Only if somebody remembers. <laughs> probably. Uh, and I would say maybe the greatest bit of uh, of combat combat that uh, I have seen in role playing when you think about what happened in this moment, executed by Erica in her mm-hmm. android form in Gamma World. I am going to activate my um my alpha mutation, which I do not know called- what it does yet. <laughs> reflexive teleport oh i roll an attack at it and if i hit the target i actually teleport swapping positions with rocketbot a which is 16 that's 21 that's versus will plenty what's happening now A does lot he take happens. okay does rocketbot take damage um yes it's let's see trigger attack hits the target instead and misses me if i'm out of range so i actually wouldn't take the the original did you just damage? teleport rocket bot into its own rocket 
I did. <laughs> that is what happened. That's incredible. So let's like let's it. let's rewind a second. Rocketbot A has fired a rocket. E eighty four, however, looks at Rocketbot A, kind of makes a little robotic uh, eye contact with it, and flips to suddenly be in the air where Rocketbot A was. Rocketbot A is disoriented as Rocketbot A is now where the missile is about to hit, and Rocketbot <laughs> A is hit by its own missile. Uh, Rocketbot A is obliterated by its own rocket. <laughs> Yay! Yay! That's impressive. I have to say that's, that's, that's good stuff. That was move. fun. That's very fun. That was you. You. Yeah, I just I think of what that rocket bot thought. It's like, haha! I've got you. Oh no! <laughs> anyway, thanks to listener Dave you for fool. suggesting that. You that killed was, us. That was good. And then uh, a non-listener panelist Joe Steele wanted to play this clip, which really is all the best uh, from a member only special so if you're not an uncomfortable member you missed us play the star trek role-playing game and this oh, no. key moment involving oh, no. dan's character the first officer of the starship who decided to go into a locked airlock with a romulan spy uh i'm gonna try to activate my communicator before he can shoot me i do have evasive action as a focus so you will be doing evasive maneuvers uh, i will say that this is difficulty three this would be uh let's say con and daring so that's 14 uh evasive action gives you anything under 14 is a success uh or is two successes two successes okay so i get two Oh man, <laughs> I wish I was playing D and D right now, Captain. Uh, you should probably be reviewing uh, your ship personnel log to figure out who you're going to promote. To did you roll, Dad? Did you roll a twenty? Uh, no, I rolled two nineteens and okay. a thirteen. All right, so the nineteens are failures. Uh, the thirteen is a success. Two successes. Yes, you needed three. Oh bummer, man. Uh, and I rolled uh, six successes. <laughs> Because I got a one, which is great. Uh, and so I have successfully shot you with my Romulan disruptor. Guys, good news. We have a second murder to investigate. <laughs> the time you hit the second body, usually. Dan, was your actor involved in a contract negotiation? Yeah. For- <laughs> also, we changed oh. games. We changed the games entirely. And look, Dan's character is dying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you are uh, vaporized. Ooh, <laughs> wow. uh, I'd like to revise my announcement about a body to investigate. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, Dan yeah, that, died was, again. Uh, that was rough. <laughs> so, so yeah, same as it ever yeah, was. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we changed game systems. It's set in Star Trek that 20s are bad and 1s are good. Didn't matter. Dan died. It's, he doesn't always vaporize, but he pretty much always dies at some point. Yeah, um, I think I'm I'm the most dyingly character, I guess, in Total Party Kill. I, think so. I, I feel so. like I'm catching up. Yeah. What what mm. will 2019 hold? This year also brought, and you might be shocked to hear this, the Random.org theme song, which, uh, according to Moises, began in episode 388, as decided by Random.org, which needs a theme song. What order will it be in? Nobody knows. Let's go to random.org. Random.org. Algorithm. Who needs rails when you're doing a draft? Just order people in. Random.org. But uh, it didn't end there, of course, because it emerged uh, fully formed in episode 400, ascended by several 
listeners. Random.org, we bring the random to you. Oh, nice. That's their theme song. That's good, Steve. That's good. Uh, <laughs> Love it. For, fortunately, I was not willing to leave well enough alone. Random.org selected Steve <laughs> Random to Can we do an episode devoted to random.org? It's a good question, Monty. Good question. <laughs> the answer yes. is yes. We just don't know when it will air. And here, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, one more clip from episode 400 where Lisa <laughs> it, explains and Monty demonstrates the patriarchy. My topic, which I suspect we will probably never do, either because I won't be able to find the panelists or because literally nobody will listen to it, is 1980s feminist sci-fi dystopias. Oh, and- I'm so Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm there. <laughs> Damn it, you've undermined my premise. <laughs> nice job, men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good uh, bit. That's well, good boy. times. It's good. Good. Talk about your uh, timing. That good was, times, Pedro. That was really. That was really good timing. Um, okay, we have uh, two listeners, Nathan and Eric, who recommended this clip from the rocket surgery episode of the, about the black hole, in which I, with some help from Steve, do a dramatic reenactment of old robot Bob's <laughs> oh, very no. extended death scene. No, I'm finished. I'm fixing to die. You better go on without me, young feller. You keep the hope alive. I'm just going to die right here. And I'm still here. I'm not dead yet, but I got to finish my speech and then I'm going to die. So you better go. My batteries are failing. Don't try to save me, kid. No, no, Vincent. You go do what you got to do. I, oh, I'm coming. I'm coming, robots in the sky. I, ah, boo. And don't forget, Whippersnapper, that we're the best because you're going to hear that as you talk. Tumble through the black hole later. <laughs> yep, yep. I tried to do a little Sanford, uh, little uh, little red fox thing there. I'm coming, you know mm-hmm. that kind of thing for the sure, acknowledged. For the robots sure. in the sky. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah. A couple more clips that people wanted to hear. Uh, one is a very short but amusing from listener Nathan's request. Uh, in our Spirited Away episode, John Syracuse summarized the plot of My Neighbor Totoro, and it goes like this: Totoro. I mean, if you sketch it out, it's like, okay, this is what's going to happen. They're going to have a bath. And they're going to grow something, and there's going to be some corn, and a goat, and then it's going to end. What do you think? And they're like, what? what? Like, oh, oh, by the way, you might think she's dead at one point. Like, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Accurate. Wow. I got to see this it's movie. Really there, there's a goat and some corn. And there's corn. Yeah, it's true. It's mm. accurate. And uh, the last clip I have for you is recommended by listener Drew. It comes from episode 414, Credible Hulk. And it is Tony Sindelar... And he's playing a long, the longest of games. You know, I noticed that this movie uh, came out in 2003. Uh, and we have talked about some other 2003 movies here on The Incomparable. Uh, particularly, I'd like to draw your attention to a movie we have discussed. Uh, perhaps it has been unjustly maligned. Uh, that movie being The, the Core. Core. No. Which also <laughs> came out in 2003. Uh-huh. Uh, which some Incomparable panelists claimed was the worst movie they had ever seen. And my counterpoint was, <laughs> this is not even the worst movie made in 2003. Um, and so... So I would like you, Jason Snell, uh, to, you know, if you're so inclined, and you are because I'm asking you on your podcast, how do you compare 2003's Ang Lee, The Hulk, to 2003, whoever directed The Core? The Core. I have been waiting to make this one for like two years. Yep. You got it in. 
You guys, now I understand why Tony is here. Yep, <laughs> it yeah, all makes sense all of a sudden. I, I have to go now. <laughs> so that's it. That's, my, <laughs> that's it. He he did what he wow. needed to do. He did all of that just to get back at us for the core. He had to watch and, the whole ascended into heaven. So he's going to have to come back now uh, to get his revenge for being on the episode with the uh, Hulk in it. Right? Does that how it just mm. keeps going? Is there another bad yeah, movie? There's got to be another bad movie From in 2003. 2003. Yeah, I guess. Oh man, that's, totally. Tony, I'm sure there is. Misplayed it. That's a it's almost a self-dunking, but it's not. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, I'm uh, yeah. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Ask the expert. Oh, well, that's it. That's all the clips. We, we, wow. we listened to we some clips. It. We we did it. We already did it, Steve. We, we, we listened to clips. We, we, did, we listened did it to again. Clips from 2018. Hey. We we did it Oops. again. Oops. We yeah. listened to us doing it. <laughs> yeah, we did. And that's that's the we did. what we what. <laughs> that's the greatest thing of all. Something like that. The greatest love of all uh. is inside us. Uh. Uh, that's it. I would like to thank my panelists for sharing these uh, hearty stories, uh, la- laughs, and uh, listening to pre-recorded audio clips. Dan Morin, thanks for being the number one panelist this year. Have we, have we got a clip? No? Sorry. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, yeah, thanks, Jason. I can play that clip of you dying in Star Trek again. <laughs> you can get him saying, who does More number singing. one work for? Because I think he says that in one of the game show episodes. Yeah. Uh, Erica Ensign, thank you. Hi, I'm happy to be here. I'm uh, Dan, I love you. You're my twinsie, but next year I'm coming for you. Yeah, I, there's no way I can win next year. I realize this. <laughs> it's probably true. Probably true. Steve Lutz, um... Yeah, why did why did you make me play the Skeletor clip again? I ask you. I didn't make you do anything. I merely asked for zoom and enhance. <laughs> well, okay, then whoever made that zoom and enhance feature is really, really awful. Yeah, they really need to build better fail safes into these things. Yeah. Hey, it was a really dumb year. Here's to another one in 2019. Yeah, maybe we'll drink some more beer. I have a feeling that's going to happen. It's probably going to happen. <laughs> uh, Chip Sutterth, thank you, Jason. Happy Life Day. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sing. Uh, I didn't get you anything this year, He has a comb, you know. <laughs> Indeed. And thanks to everybody out there, for the listeners who suggested all these clips, and everybody else for listening to another year of the incomparable Onward into the mysterious world of 2019, where unless I do the fall of DC or something, I'm going to have to come up with 52 more episode ideas. See you next week. I wonder what it'll be about. Bye, everybody! (laughs) 